BBC Three Counties Radio. First for news. Catherine, I know you're coming down to do a little sort of two-way with me. Oh, go on then. No, no, but don't... What I'm saying is, don't rush, take your time, stroll down. I don't want you out of breath and sweaty. What are you saying? You're quite often out of breath and sweaty. <gasps> it's true. It's true. I don't know why, but she is. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Three minutes past six... Tuesday the 26th of February. Oh, I get the internet in my house tomorrow. Yeah, according to the company that are supplying it. I'll be very surprised if that actually happens. Lots coming up on the show this morning, as always. It's good to get your opinion on what's happening. One of the things we're going to be talking about is maps. When was the last time you used a map? It's all sat-navs, isn't it now? Or Google Directions. To drive forward for half a mile, then take the second left. I, I, if I had to use a map, I could, I think, but it would take me ages. There's a couple that have got divorced because the lady couldn't read a map and the bloke went bonkers. They got divorced. Last time you used a map, have you got any left in your car? 08459 455 555. Other slightly more serious things this morning. The fiasco over the West Coast mainline has cost you a fortune. Well, 50 million quid and rising, to be exact. I'll tell you why in the next few minutes. Have you ever tried to get a CRB check? I have, and I passed. Few. A report out claims that the checks are suspicious and hostile towards parents who are just wanting to help out. Isn't it better to be overprotective, though? If you're hanging out with my kids... I'd rather you were checked out than not and find out which Dunstable pub is being branded an eyesore by residents and should go. Lots of ways to get in touch as always. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. I think. Now I've said it out loud, it doesn't sound right. Is that right? Yeah, that is right. I'm getting the nod from the, uh, the, the, the Facebook team. Uh, you can text 81333, start your text 3CR. Put your name on, please, otherwise th- th- there is zero chance of me reading it. But the best way, look... All of the lines are free. Who wants to be the first caller of the morning? Yay! Yay, imagine that. You could tell your grandkids in 50 years' time. On Tuesday, the 26th of February, I was the first caller to Ian Lee. And boy, would they be impressed. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. The collapse of the contract to run the West Coast Main Line through Watford and Milton Keynes has cost the taxpayer at least £50 million. That's according to a report by MPs. The Public Accounts Committee has also warned that figure could rise. Well, BBC Three Counties uh, reporter Catherine Boyle has more. Catherine, this isn't the first time, is it, the Department for Transport has come in for criticism over this? No, you'll remember that in August last year, the government announced that first group had beaten Virgin in the big bidding process to run the West Coast Main Line uh, franchise, and Richard Branson was not at all happy and made his feelings quite well known. Um, in October, that decision was scrapped after Virgin launched a legal challenge and now Branson's company will keep running the service until next November when there'll be a fresh bidding process. See, when this happened and Branson came out, I was kind of going, oh, get over it, it's capitalism. It did this sound like sour grapes, didn't it? Didn't it? And it turns out he was right. And then they had to go and ask him whether he'd run it in the interim, which I would have looked <laughs> to have been a fly on the wall. What does the report say? Well, it accuses the Transport Department of being blinkered and rushed in the way that the bidding process was handled. And the committee also says there was a period of three months when no one was in overall charge of the competition. Despite the fact, remember, this was worth £5 billion, in fact, in excess of £5 billion to the government. No one was in charge? 
That's incredible. It's staggering. The report also questions the department's ability to handle future projects like HS2, which, of course, again, hotly content, uh, contended. Um, Labour's Margaret Hodge is the committee's chairman. The worry is, looking at their record, that they won't think through how do they change the way in which they let franchises and assess bids, and then they will get a rush at the end, which might again mean not the best result and not the best value either for the fair payer or the taxpayer. So the government's made major changes, so it says, to ensure it will never happen again. We shall wait and see. We, we'll, we'll wait and see for the next massive uh, train bidding. You're shivering. Are you, are you chilly? It's freezing in here. No wonder you're wearing a... I thought you were being dapper and debonair with that scarf no. on, but it's uh, necessary. There's, there's no... I've yet to find the uh, air conditioning control for this. I've been here four months. I don't know where the air conditioning control is. I saw no. pictures of Randall Fiennes yesterday on the telly with his eyebrows all frozen, oh, and it... I think you're going that way, to be honest. Mm, thanks very much indeed. <laughs> oh, wait, 459 four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Call. Uh, just have a quick look in your car, in the, the glove compartment or the boot. Have you got a map in there? No one has maps. So, Catherine, you don't use maps. Yeah, I've got one. I don't use it. You don't use it? No, it's still where it was when I first bought it. Exactly. No one uses maps anymore, do they? 08459 555. So we're talking CRB checks this morning, amongst other things. There's one group, the Manifesto Club, that claim over 57,000 volunteers have invested so far this academic year. And the report says that the cheques are suspicious and hostile towards parents. For those who don't know, the CRB cheques are basically, if you want to work with children, you get a CRB cheque and it proves that you are not a sex offender or it proves you've not been caught as a sex offender. You have no convictions. What do you think? Generally, if if you're going to work in different places with kids... I think you have to get a CRB check for every place you go to. And some people might say that's a little bit overzealous. But to be honest, you're working with my boys. I want to know for a fact that you've not been convicted of a sex crime. That's... That's not too much to ask, is it? 08459 455 555. John's in Luton. Morning, John. Morning, how you, are you doing? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you very much. Mate, you, you work with children, don't you? Yes, I do. What do you do? Uh, football. Fantastic. And what, what age kids are you, are you working with? From, um, from under-7s up to about 15, 16. Oh, I, I see now. The under-7s are better fun. 15, 16-year-olds, they're a pain in the backside, aren't they? Well, they can be, yeah. Stroppy right, little yeah. so-and-sos. Yes, you're right. What do you, I, I'm guessing, then, if, you, if you're doing this in, in some sort of official capacity, you've probably had a CRB check, have you? Yes, I have. Um, I have. I have a CRB check. The only problem with the CRB checks is they're every three years. Right. And it should be not as... Uh, that's too long between, between the years. They should do it shorter. So you're, you're, you're saying that you, you, you could get a clean CRB check on Monday, then you go out on a Tuesday and you do something naughty and get convicted of it, and it, it, it doesn't get shown up retrospectively? Well, yeah, it will do in three years' time. In three years' time, exactly. Yeah. J- John, did you have to... Put, did you pay for your CRB check? Yeah. How much does it cost? Um... I think it's about 15 quid, something 15 like quid, because I had one done and it was paid for by the company that I uh, was, was doing some stuff with. I guess if, if, if you're doing things for, say, I don't know, five different children's organisations and you have to get five different CRBs and pay for yourself, then I suppose that does become a bit expensive, doesn't it? Well, yeah, but the thing is, the club did actually pay for me. And they paid for you, did they? Yeah, the club did pay for me. I think most... there, is, there, is, there is talk about... Having one CRB for everything. 
Yeah, I thought that that was going to. I thought that had happened, but it turns out it hadn't. No, it hasn't. Did no. you find it suspicious and hostile at all? No, it's there, it's there for a reason. It's there uh, to cover the kids and to protect j- the kids. For those who've never had a CRB, can you just describe what you have to do to get this little certificate, this bit of paper that says you're okay? You've got, usually, what you have to do is, 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 fill, is, is um, fill a form out and they, and they send it off, and it gets. Um, it gets a police check, yeah. which is, I can't remember the actual, um, there's an in-depth, an in-depth police check. But that's it, isn't it? Is, that's all you do is you fill in a form, you wait a couple of months, you get a letter back, hopefully, saying, yep, yeah, no, you're absolutely, f- this, this yeah. person is fine to work with kids. But the thing is, if, if there's anything on disclose, like, when Savers did something about when you were about, um, 15, yeah. it, it, it will come up on it. Yeah, yeah. John, listen, thank you very much. John, he's a junior football coach. He didn't find the CRB a hassle at all. In fact, he thinks there should be more. It should be more regular than once every three years. I kind of agree. These people saying it's suspicious and hostile. And we will be mentioning a few examples later on in the show where, okay, perhaps it's a little bit overzealous. But if you're working with my kids, I want to know that you've not been convicted of anything. That's okay, isn't it? Or maybe you do think they are suspicious and hostile and a bit overzealous. So, page uh, 21 of my favourite, Britain's favourite newspaper, the Daily Mail. It's not. How map-reading Tiff in the car led to divorce courts. Uh, and judge says, my wife and I have the same rouse. It was only a tiff about a woman's ability to map-read. But property investor Mark Howe's ten-year marriage appears to have lost its way. <laughs> Very good. Uh, the day he ar- argued with his wife over the navigational skills. The couple took a wrong turn in France while driving along back roads to Burgundy on a wine-tasting holiday. Mr Howe stopped the car and clashed with his wife Nalini over her ability to plan the route. The thing that surprised me about that story is... They're using maps. Who, who uses maps? I don't think we've... We've got one map in the house, and that's only because my three-year-old likes to look at it. And it's kind of good to show him, you know, what the country looks like, what the, the shape of the country and stuff like that. Who uses maps these days? Paul's from Sandy. Paul? Hi, yeah. Paul, you... It sounds like you're a driver, is that right? That's right, yeah, van driver. Van driver. You don't use maps these days. It's 2013. I've never used a sat-nav before. <laughs> really? Yeah. Why not? Why? Why? You, you, why do you stick with the traditional paper map? Um, well, I probably wouldn't end up in the middle of a river. <laughs> well, it, it, you know what? That's that's kind of true. But you do hear stories about people with sat navs doing that. And my sat nav is seven years old. I'm not paying for the uh, map upgrade, so I, I often get sent the wrong way up one-way streets. But Paul, they make life so much easier. You type in a postcode, and it pretty much sends you there. Yeah, but, um, the way I work is I've got an A to Z of the country. Yeah. If I say I've got a um, delivery in Sittingbourne, I look out to get to Sittingbourne, and then I've got a MacBook of Keg. Yeah. So I just look at that, and away I go. And once I've looked at where it is, it's logged in my brain, and off I go. Paul, listen, we're going to let you go because the line's not great. Thank you very much for that. Paul from Sandy. He uses maps, never used a sat-nav. D- d- well, there's a surprise. I've got a text from Philip and Joe in Whitchurch. What's going on with you all? Ian, we hate sat-navs. We use maps all the time. Part of the fun is getting lost. What? As we did in Gloucestershire on Saturday. No, 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 no. You're, you're, no. Maps is bad, surely. Well, I've been surprised by the first two contacts about this. 08459 455 555. When was the last time you used a map? And have you never used a sat-nav? Really? I don't, I don't get the Emily Sandy hate. Everyone, oh, Emily Sandy, oh. 
not her fault she's getting played all the time and is always popping up on the telly. That's not her fault. When you never For goodness sakes. I'm going to see her do a pop concert soon. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I'm uh, very, uh, very hip. I'm very uh, with it. I'm going to go to the Hammersmith Odeon and uh, see her sing some pop songs with a band. Taking a girl as well. Taking a girl with me. My wife. Ah, that's right. Now, a man from Bedford is calling for the council to adopt a zero-sex entertainment policy across the borough. Peter Chiswell, a former councillor, is leading the campaign to change Bedford Borough Council's planning rules to say that all sex entertainment is banned from the area. He says he has the backing of over 3,000 residents so far. The council's consultation on its policy for licensing sex entertainment venues closes today. Peter joins me now. Morning, Peter. Good morning. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm in good form today, which is unusual for me. Peter, what's your beat? with sex entertainment? Well, there are a lot of problems, really. Just a few of them would be um, the women are exploited, there's harassment, assaults, uh, there's racism. There's real sorts of problems attached with these clubs. And I have this myth, this fantasy I hear once or twice, but just another business. Well, it certainly isn't. We're going to be speaking to a lady later on in the show who, who, who is a stripper uh, okay. I don't, and, and works at one of these venues. And uh, she will, will argue, I'm, I'm sure, that she enjoys her job, that mm-hmm. it gives her independence, that she is in complete control of all times. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't want to deny a young lady a job, would you? Well, let's have a look at that. Uh, talk about it impairing. Well, there's one case study I've got where uh, a girl says that uh, it's only impairing for the first second until she pays... The bl- until she strips her clothes off whether the bloke who's paid her money to do so. Um, not particularly embarrassing, according to some of the women involved in the industry. Of course, you get racism. I mean, uh, there's one example of a girl called Liz. She says men would come in and ask the manager, did she have any black girls? She'd be wheeled over like a prize cow. That's a quote. But it's Peter, Peter, it is appalling. It is appalling. I, I um, wouldn't. You know, never, but, it's like you get another that. industry. It's like another business. But I go into businesses around the town and around the borough. I don't find anyone asking the shop assistants or uh, the bank clerks. Oh, can I? Can they speak to a, a black shop assistant? This is outrageous. It's disgraceful. It is disgraceful it's and it's shocking. it's awful. But Peter, but, but racism and sexism does exist. Everywhere. It exists in the BBC. We're hearing stories about sexism in the BBC. It exists, it exists in the church. These things it, it, it exist in all careers, not just yeah, in dancing clubs. But you want to encourage them. <laughs> no, you don't. You want to try and prevent them. And this is one way of preventing it. The law permits this. We can prevent this from happening. But it's Surely not... we should prevent this if we can? Or do you think so? Well, what, ra- we ra- it racism and sexism... Surely we should prevent them if we can. Yeah, but by closing... But, but, uh, you, sorry, maybe you misheard me, but, but sex clubs are not the only place where that happens. No, it also not. happens here at the BBC. Do you no, want to close but, the BBC? the law, as I was saying, the law actually permits us... No, it doesn't, it doesn't, permit, it doesn't it, permit racism. It, it, no, what I'm saying... No, it's the opposite of what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the law permits us to actually have a zero policy for sex right. entertainment venues. It's right. not a ban, by the way. Right. Um, but it does create a presumption of refusal. So what we're saying is... Yeah. This is a good plan. This is something that helps prevent problems like I've been talking about. The last thing we want is to encourage this sort of thing. It's absolutely outrageous. Um, women are being uh, uh, harassed in the communities as well around these clubs. You know, can't, don't they have rights as well? Of course are they, they do, but, but, but women are being harassed. But, 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 being but Peter, you're being, you're being slightly... These clubs, Peter, you know, you're being so. slightly sensationalist because uh, harassment happens everywhere. Of course it does, but the examples I've got here, there's one where this woman was um, 
just you know finishing work she's worked as a, I think it's a, a worker with adults with learning disabilities and works shifts often ending at 11 o'clock and then she was afraid to go home because of the time it took to sort out the door these blokes were next door with this club she was frightened of being followed was she harassed? yeah she said she's, they seemed to think they had a right to do whatever they want they'd stare at her make comments at her but that happens and, everywhere Peter yes but if you can prevent some of these from happening, surely... Well, no, but then you might as well close down, you might as well close down Tesco, you might as well close down building sites, you might as well... Because that happens everywhere. I don't think you're finding this. I don't think that's right at all. Well, no, because Peter, some of these clubs. Peter, 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 you're you're wrong. This does happen everywhere. It happens at building sites. You're going to close down building sites. These things happen, I accept, I understand that. But where you can prevent it, surely you should. You've only got... It's okay, it's happening, I don't know, I I don't know, but I can say quite clearly, the law permits us actually help prevent... You've only got... Some of these problems. 3,000 signatures... 3,000, that's quite a lot. Well, it's not percentage of Bedford, is it? Because there's 157,000 people in Bedford, so it's a tiny percentage. Put it this way, I think it's the highest number I've ever heard of in any licensing issue. Okay, but it's, in, in percentage terms, it's, it's tiny, isn't it? 3,000 for people to write a letter to say that they don't want this happening in Bedford okay. Borough. The Amptil, sig- the Amptil petition was higher in, in percentage compared to population size. Petitions are one thing. Detailed right. letters arguing a case are something else. Right, OK. And a policy change is something else again. The final thing, Peter. I've found that over the years. If I were a single man mm-hmm. and um, I've got some money and I want to spend it, I want to spend it by going to see some women dance topless for me, where's the problem with that? Well, I think that's buying into a fantasy and illusion. These women are exploited. What do you uh, think cinema is? What do you think pop music is? What do you think you, the media just, is? Let me just run over some of the exploitation that happens. There's only two seconds, but uh, the girls pay to dance. Uh, yeah. They can be fined. Uh, they're not employees. They can be fined for wearing their own clothes or hair. Well, then makeup. you need to deal with the management. Not you need to deal with the management, not the, 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 sec- the, the shops up, themselves. And they can end up owing the club money at the end of the evening. Well, Peter, That's then you need to Peter. Peter, you need to deal with the management. Then you, you don't need to <laughs> deny some people their pleasure. Just not, you should need to deal with the, the management and the, the, the protocols that they employ. I think that. Okay, Peter, thank you very much. We have to end it there. Peter Chiswell, thank you very much. Uh, Well, what do you think? Bit of harmless fun. Is Peter being a NIMBY? Or do you agree with him? Think, no, hang on a minute, let's stop this. We don't need this anymore. We don't want to see young girls being exploited. We don't want to see uh, people being bullied. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Wow. What an action-packed first 30 minutes. I feel we've done done more content in the first 30 minutes than we normally do in the whole show. More to come up, including CRB checks. They're there for a reason. They're there to, to make sure that if you're working with children, you've not got any convictions of sexual offences. Well, the Manifesto Club says the checks are suspicious and hostile towards parents. Isn't it better to be overprotective, though? We'll hear what some mums and dads, dads in Harpenden think. When was the last time you used a map? And a Dunstable pub is an eyesore, and it should be pulled down. That's according to residents. I'll tell you which one in the next half an hour. We're also talking sex clubs as well. You may have just heard um, the conversation there with Peter Chiswell, who is uh, the council, who used to be uh, a councillor. He's leading the campaign to change Bedford Borough Council's planning rules to say that all sex entertainment is banned from the area. Well, what do you think? He says it's exploitative, it encourages sexism and racism, and is demeaning. Is he right? Or is it just a bit of fun? 08459 555 555. John's in Houghton Regis. Morning, John. 
Morning to you. You heard what Peter said there. What, what, what do you think? Encourages sexism and racism and their demeaning. Yeah, but you're going to get it all over the world. You're not going to stop racism and sexism, are you? You're not going to stop it. It's in every walk of life. And as far as these strip clubs are concerned, I've been to numerous before, and, you know, you get strip clubs, you can get strip clubs. The ones I've been to can be very uh, raucous, but that's back in South Africa. Here, I've never been, I've been to one or two in uh, UK here, and they've been very clean. They are controlled. The ladies that work there are sometimes university students that are going to make make their ends meet. So... There's one way of making the money. But, John, do you not think... These, these are young... How old are you, John? If you don't mind me asking. I'm 55. 55. So, 55-year-old man going to see university students, let's say 19 or 20, and giving them money to take off their clothes. It's, it, it sounds a little seedy, doesn't it? It sounds a little bit seedy, but uh, I haven't been to one maybe in the last, I would say, about eight years now, because, you know, I'm getting a bit older than that. And, uh, yeah, but the youngsters go there to see it, and... Uh, so sometimes their minds could lead astray, but uh, that's on the individual, isn't it? You can't stop these clubs from opening up. Well, this is, this is what they're hoping to do with this. They're hoping to change the, the borough council so that people can stop these clubs from opening up. Do you not worry, uh, uh, John, that the girls are being exploited? They, they are in as much as they're being paid money to strip off and show all their bits and pieces to a bunch of weird men. No disrespect. Oh, yeah, that, that they are. But... Uh, some aspects they would be, and uh, some aspects no. John, thank you very much indeed. Oh, 08459-455-555. What do you think? Do you agree with John? It's a bit of fun. The girls are in control, paying their way through university, maybe supporting their kids. What do you think? Actually, it's really, it's a bit seedy. We're, we're, we're better than that, aren't we? What do you think? It, I'm confused. Is that a real song? I know the song. Is that a remake of the song? Is that a new version of, of an old song? Because I remember that song having a... I mean, you know, it was, it was always a slightly AOR, but it, it had a bit more of a kick to it than that. That feels a little bit, um... How, how do we say it? Limp? Oh, wait, 459 Actually, don't bother calling about that. Now, a couple have got divorced after an argument over... Ah? Uh, yes? No? A map! Or rather, his wife's map-reading skills. Couple on a posh wine-tasting holiday in Burgundy. We've all done it. She'd been reading the map. He insisted on pulling over because they were lost. We've all done that as well, haven't we? Engaged in a brief row. She then filed for divorce. Wowzers. And then the judge, as judges do, went, yeah, I have that with my missus as well. But the, the thing I, I find strange about this whole story is they were using maps. It's like 2013 and stuff. So, when did you last use a map. We all... The, the sat-nav has saved many marriages, surely. Because there's no more the passenger reading the map, going, right, it's left up here. Oh, no, 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 not left, I meant right. I, I remember my mum and dad having cracking arguments like that. You said left! Yeah, I mean, I'd said left, I meant that left. That left is right! I meant that left. You don't hear that phrase anymore. No, no, I meant that left. What, right? Yes. So when was the last time you used a map? 
Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Justin Dealey's out and about. Justin, you're a, a man of the world. Do, do you mm. use maps still? Uh, no, I cannot read a map to save my life. Um, to put it bluntly, I can uh, I hardly even use a sat nav. By the way, <laughs> I'm outraged about your comments about Randy Edelman. No, is uh, that is that the original version no, of it? No, the original was by Unit Four Plus Two. Right. Uh, they were called that because there were six members in the band. He's but good. Randy Edelman, he was good. That's a great version. What's your a, problem? That was such a limp version. <laughs> it feels. It, I feel. I, I imagine I'm sitting. On, on a pool, by a pool yeah. in Benidorm. In your Speedos. In my Speedos, and just wishing I was dead. Yeah. Maps. <laughs> maps. <laughs> yeah, getting back to maps, I, I cannot read them. I and mean, you're, you're right, I've got to say, Justin, I've been in the car while you've tried to yeah. use a sat-nav. <laughs> we were going to Hilborough School. It was literally two minutes away. Yeah. Fifteen minutes later, yeah. we pulled up. Ian, don't worry, son. We'll be there in two <laughs> minutes. We'll be there. It'll be absolutely fine. Ian, chill out, chill out. He's doing an impression of us, doing yeah. an impression of him. It was absolutely incredible. But, I mean, uh, Luton this morning, I'm yep. um, talking about map reading skills. I've been asking people about theirs. Take a listen to this. Now, Nez, the last time you used a map was what, about a year ago? Must have been about a year ago. And tell us why that's the case. Uh, it's just a nightmare reading the map, kind of, you know I mean? You just punch in the sat-nav and away you go. Yeah, absolutely. So, if your wife couldn't read a map, would you divorce her over that, or is that a step too far, do you think? Uh, I think that's a step too far. I mean, it's like if she can't read the map, she can't read the map. Now, Richard, here is a claim. You reckon that you've never used a map in no. the whole of your life, no. is this correct? Yeah. How comes? Because I don't know where I'm going. What, all the time? Yeah. So, seriously, you've never, ever bought a map, never used the map no. at all? Wow, you're a genius. No. I'm going to come up with you more often. Well, here's Mick, who's a tanker driver. Mick, you're kind of bucking the trend here. Most people I'm talking to say we rely on sat-navs, but you still use maps. How often do you use them? Quite regularly. I can't seem to get on with sat-navs. I still prefer the old-fashioned method. Um, our company issues us route cards, so I use the route card or use our map or just down to general knowledge. Would you divorce your wife if she couldn't read a map? No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Well, Peter, we're talking about maps this morning. Here we see lots of maps to our right-hand side. When was the last time you actually used one? Can you remember? Uh, I would imagine ten years ago. Local map. Everything now about sat for you? Yeah, everything, yeah. yeah. In saying that, though, could you still read a map? If your sat went down, could you yeah. still read one? Possibly not now. No. <laughs> really? So no. the, the knowledge is gone? Yeah, it's all gone, yeah. Yeah, I'd imagine, yeah, yeah everything's sat and... You don't even recall the journeys now, yeah. Um, if I had to get back there again tomorrow, I would probably wouldn't have to without the sat-nav. If I had to use a map, Justin, if mm. I had a gun pointing at my head and said, read this map, I don't know what situation that would ever be, <laughs> I, I, I could do it, but it would be a real struggle. Well, it takes me back to the 1990s. Ah, oh, those were the days, yeah. So, back in the 1990s, I used to go to quite a few away games, uh, Luton Town away games with my dad. Uh, I would sit in the passenger seat and it'd say to me, there you go, son, there's the map. We're about five minutes away from the ground. Can you get us there? And I would always get it horribly wrong. He would have to pull over <laughs> and do the work for me and would end up getting to the game late. So it takes me back to that period in my life. I've always been dreadful when it comes to reading maps. Now, Justin, where are you off to this morning? I'm off to Milson Keynes train station. Again, it's one of our top stories this morning, talking about the West Coast main line and that fiasco. Let's be honest, it was a fiasco. 50 million um, quid of yeah, your money, Dealey. This report out today says exactly that. 50 million pounds of taxpayers' money spent on trying to sort this mess out. Uh, we're going to be talking to commuters at Milton Keynes train station to find out what they think. Not only about that, but also the service, because when I was there a few months ago, everyone was really, really happy with Virgin Trains. Is that still the case? We're going to be finding out more after seven this morning. And is it true you've got a little bit lost this morning? Uh, got a little bit lost? Did I get lost? 
Is that, is, that, is that news to me? This is the word that's going around, that Dealey got a little bit lost. So are, you, are you en route? You know where you're going. I know where I'm going. I know exactly where I'm are going. Using, I know what I'm doing. Are you using your, your common sense, <laughs> or have you got the sat-nav I've got, I've got the sat-nav. The problem with this sat-nav is it wasn't... I think it was last updated about five years ago. Yeah. So, um, obviously, they can go wrong. You've been in a car with me when oh, it has gone wrong. So, hopefully, the I'll sat- be there on time. No, 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 no. I'm not having that. The sat-nav didn't go wrong. You just didn't know how to read it. <laughs> the problem is, if there's new roads, you've got to update <laughs> these things all the time. If you don't, you're going to get lost. Dealey. So this morning, I'm not lost so far. Good That's lad. the breaking news. Lex, breaking news, Justin Dealey knows where he's going. The sat-nav didn't break down in the car with him. He just didn't know how to read it. There was an arrow pointing left, and he didn't know what that meant. Terrifying. Uh, David in Marsh Farmers text in, I use maps and a brain. I make a note of the A and B roads I'll be going on and stick, uh, stick it on the dash. I believe it means dashboard. We tow a caravan and many sites say use their directions, do not use sat-navs. I don't use motorways unless I have to. Wowzers. So a couple get divorced because she can't read a map, right? I'm wondering why on earth they're using maps in the 21st century. Sat-navs all the way. Makes sense, doesn't it, Tony from Milton Keynes? Oh, mate, you make my blood boil, you do. Sorry? You make my blood boil. Some of the things you come out with, what planet are you living on? What are you referring to? What, 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 what's wrong with having the map? What, what's wrong with it? We all can't afford sat-navs. Sat-navs are The very... old map's a good-fashioned thing. Oh, I mean, what are you going on about? Sat-navs are very, very cheap these days. Yeah, but you can't beat the old-fashioned map. What's, what's wrong with them, mate? Well, the thing is... I love your show, don't get me wrong, but some of the things you... Oh, honestly, they wind me up so much. But the thing I is... I wonder what you're going on about. Tony, Tony, calm down, calm down. I'm going to find well, you a cheap sat-nav as well. Look, I'm looking on it. Uh, look, sat-nav... Sixty-two pounds. Yeah, but all they do is just warn you of speed cameras. No, that's not all they do, Tony, is it? It's not all they oh, do. Honestly, what they do, Tony, is, they, is that's that's one of the the pluses of it. They tell you how to get from somewhere to somewhere else without well, I'll having tell to. You what, f- I love the old map. You give me the map any day. Oh, Tony, you know how frustrating that is when you're on the the, the road goes off a page and you've got to go to a page further on in the well, book. My missus reads it for me. Ah, I think but, we've, I think yeah. we found something, Tony. No, that- no, no. My missus helps me read it. Not all the time can I read it, but my missus helps. Right. And I, I think the match. I mean, you go and get a match for three ninety nine. Yeah. Perfect. Keep it in the car. What, what's the problem? It, it's just some of the things that you do sometimes. Honestly, it makes me so mad, and I think to myself, well, "What's what's he living on? We we all can't afford sat navs. I wouldn't want one. Sixty two quid. Yeah, but I wouldn't want one, Ian, but other than that, your show's really, really good, but it's just some 50, of the things sometimes. I found one here, £54.16. pence. Yeah, have you found that then? What, you're on the internet? Yeah, I've got, got a computer. Don't tell me you probably hate computers as well. No, I like computers. They're good, aren't they? Yeah, and I like the thing you're talking about, the CRB check, because I had one of them done many moons ago when I was a cleaner in the school. And I had to have one done, and I'm thinking of having another one done sometime this year. And did you pass? I passed, yeah. Good, good yeah, for you, good lad. Passed, yeah. But thanks, Ian, I appreciate you talking to me, but, you know, at the end of the day, the good old-fashioned map is still good. A lot of people still do read the maps. Tony, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, but I love you. Go and have, go and have, a, go and have a nice stress-free day, now you've taken it all out on me. <laughs> oh, See you later, Tony, ta-ta. Thanks, Ian, ta-ta, I think, I think we ended up friends there, he was furious. I mean, he's wrong, 
Sat-navs beat maps any time, but thank you for that, Tony. Good call. Have you ever tried to get a CRB check to help out at your kid's school or maybe a local group, or I got one when I did some volunteering work at Great Ormond Street? Well, a report that's published this week, uh, this week claims that the checks are suspicious and hostile towards parents. The Manifesto Club claim over 57,000 volunteers have been vetted so far this academic year. And one Hertfordshire man who wanted to remain anonymous claims that he was asked to undergo vetting to provide cash sponsorship for a school, even though he wasn't coming into contact with children. Well, later this morning, we'll be speaking to the person who compiled this report, who's got some interesting statistics for here in the three counties. But first, what did people in Harpenden think of this report? Our reporter, Simon Watts, went to find out. I was working in a nursery, and it was part of the job description. You have to have a CRB check. So I've caught you in the centre of Harpenden today with your, with your little boy as well. And would you feel happy for, for parents that parents do have to go through this uh, for school trips etc or do you think the rules are a little too strict? No I think I'm happy that parents go through it it's unfortunate that it's a necessity these days you want your children to be safe and that's part of it, I don't think anyone would really object to having safety for their children The Manifesto Club, uh, just to quote them, say they have to go through suspicious and hostile criminal record checks do you think that's a bit of an exaggeration? I think it is, yes. Mine certainly wasn't suspicious or hostile. It was just uh, simply filling in a form and if you have nothing to hide, there's nothing to worry about. I think the CRB check is, is reasonable and it kind of safeguards everyone. It also safeguards the parents as well. At least a level of check in there that's necessary now. So as a parent, with nothing to hide, there's no reason why you should be bothered about having one, I suppose. No, probably the onerous bit is probably if you join a lot of clubs and societies and schools that you have to have a CRB check for each organisation that you tend to go along to. But I think the CRB check itself isn't overly onerous. Do you uh, agree with having to go through uh, what is called a suspicious and hostile criminal record checks uh, at your children's school? Definitely, 100%. I've already got one through my job anyway, but um, they've asked for volunteers actually to go on a day trip, so I wouldn't have a problem doing it. I want to know who's with my child when I'm not there. Happily going through CRB checks. I don't think they're strict at all. If you've got nothing to hide, then you can go and do it anyway. Would you be happy to be CRB checked by your children's school or do you think these checks are a little bit too suspicious and hostile as they've been described? I myself wouldn't mind being checked but I do think they are necessary because you need to know your children are safe in other parents and it goes through to football clubs and swimming clubs and even youth clubs that my children go to in the evening. Always pleased that I know the staff and parents have all been checked. So from your point of view, you would rather know that that has been the case? Yes, absolutely. Simon Watts reporting there. Harts County Council issued us with the following statement. The council encourages schools to think about the roles that volunteers can do within each school and the level and frequency of unsupervised access they'll have to children. Most schools in Hertfordshire routinely ask for volunteers to be disclosure and barring service checked as pupil safety is a priority. However, Hertfordshire County Council handled 3,323 DBS applications for schools volunteering last year. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Sophie, you're a young lady. You're what I would call the younger generation. Do you even know how to read a map? Uh, Yes, I do. When was the last time you used one, Tyler? Well, I'd use one on my phone. There we go. That's, that's not a map, Sophie. Thank you for that. More on maps and sex clubs. After Catherine Boyle, no connection.
morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Three minutes past seven, Tuesday. It's the 26th of February, it's nearly March. What? Uh, I know! Is it happening to you as well? It was Christmas the other week, wasn't it? Since then, so much has happened. Wow, there's lots coming up on the show this morning. Action-packed first hour, I would say... The busiest first hour we've had in a long time. Lots of your calls. Keep them coming. The things we're talking about this morning, I know you want to have your say on. So have a listen, and I'll give you the contact details uh, in a bit. The West Coast Main Line. It runs through Milton Keynes and Watford. First group were going to run it. But that decision was scrapped by the government. Well, it's been branded a fiasco, and it's going to cost you, the taxpayers, £50 million. I'll tell you exactly why in a minute. Also, Justin Dealey is at Milton Keynes Station this morning where they filmed Superman 4. Yeah. If you see him, go and say hello and let him know what you think about the the trains. CRB checks. They're there to protect our kids. You have to get one if you're going to work officially with children. Have you ever had one? A report out claims the checks are suspicious and hostile towards parents who are just wanting to help out. I'll be honest... If you're going anywhere near my kids, I want to make sure you're not some sex offender. That, that That's okay, isn't it? That, 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 I, well, I don't care what hoops you have to jump through. I had a CRB done a few years ago. It was nothing. I filled in a form, sent it off. A couple of months later, I got a certificate back saying, yay, thumbs up. This guy's okay. And a Bedford man is calling for the council to adopt a zero-sex entertainment policy in the borough. He claims strip clubs fuel sexism and racism. And I'll be speaking to Midbeds MP Nadine Doris to find out what she thinks. What do you think? Do you, do you agree that there's seedy, horrible places that are demeaning to women and we don't need them? Or do you think, oh, come on, fair play. The girls know what they're doing, they're in control, they're earning a few quid... It's a place for blokes and women to go and let off a little bit of steam. Lots of ways to get in touch. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can text 81333, start your text 3CR, put your name on. Or, look, all the lines are free, now's a great time to give me a call. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555 on CRBs. Cathy and Alzi has uh, texted in. You have to have an enhanced CRB to work as a care worker. It's £44 every time you work for a different company. Do you pay that yourself, Cathy, or do, do the company pay that? Um, and also, we're talking maps this morning. I know, the, the, the ridiculous to the sublime today. A couple have got divorced because she couldn't read a map. Why they didn't have a sat-nav, I, I really don't know. I mean, sat-navs are fun. Do you not like having the sat-nav turned to a foreign, foreign language? Do you not do that? Oh, we said it to Spanish, we said it to Greek, because my wife understands it. And my boy loves the sat-nav. He loves the sat-nav too much. And we sat in the back. Daddy, can I have the sat-nav? Well, yeah, Daddy needs it. I'm on the sat-nav! All right, to have a peaceful journey. And then he reads out the directions. Obviously, he reads them out wrong. Which way do we go now? Right through the zigzags. That's, a, that, that's not a direction. Through the zigzags, follow the green bit. Oh. Nikki and Hemel says, uh, I've been in girl guiding. Oh, girl guiding. I thought it was a place for a second. For about 35 years and a leader for about 24 years. And I've always used a map, never used a sat-nav. My husband drives and I direct him with the map. Okay. Uh, Linda says, I use my sat-nav like a safety blanket, but still like to check where I'm going on a map, especially an online map, to familiarise with the route. 
we, we had Sophie Tyler, the travel girl, saying, oh, yeah, I've used a map on my phone. Well, that, no, that's a sat-nav. That's not a map. Rob says, sat-navs are the reason why so many drivers dither at junctions and roundabouts. That's why there are so many accidents. Sorry? Look at the map and get an understanding of where you are in the world. And Angela in Houghton Regis says, I'm 51. I don't have or want a sat-nav. I use maps and always have done. I have Atlas and County Maps. They give you the chance to look at your route indoors before you set off. I wouldn't trust a sat-nav. Wow, you're all... I'm going to say it. You're all wrong. You're all wrong. You're all anti-sat-nav. I need some people to call in who are sat-nav defenders, please. 08459 455 555. Now, the collapse of the contract to run the West Coast Main Line through Watford and Milton Keynes has cost the taxpayer at least £50 million. Pounds. That's according to a report by MPs. The Public Accounts Committee has also warned that figures could rise. Well, our reporter is Gavin Lee this morning. Morning, Gavin. Morning, Ian. Gavin, remind us what went wrong here and what the Public Accounts Committee is saying. Yeah, back in August last year, the government said, after years that Virgin had run the best, well, the fastest, shall we say, if not the, the, the most successful uh, rail franchise and uh, certainly the, the busiest rail franchise, the West Coast Main Line, so from Glasgow through um, Carlisle, Preston, um, Birmingham, uh, all the way to, to London, um, that first group would have the permanent franchise for it. There was hundreds of thousands of people that protested, that put themselves on a petition saying that, well, it was questionable, the first group um, history of, of running uh, railway lines and in terms of efficiency. There was a huge legal challenge by Virgin. Two months later, this government scrapped the whole decision. Now, the cost of that decision, according to this report today, is at least 50 million in terms of wastage. And I quote from Margaret Hodge, the uh, chair of the uh, Public Accounts Committee, who says, if you factor in the cost of delays to the investment on the line and the potential knock-on effect to other franchise competitions, the final cost of the taxpayer is much higher. And I've seen quotes in the report of over to 100 million in wastage. And you touched upon one thing, this lack of common sense by the government. And another bit of criticism is that the government was blinkered. It rushed into handling the bidding process. And at one point during the the tender process for about three months there was nobody in overall charge of the competition that's the thing i find incredible there was no one in charge yeah Uh, and uh, you know this this is a project that's worth five billion to the government um what the department of transport has said is you know hands up mere culpa but there were and it points to a recent independent report which said there were unique and exceptional circumstances alongside government failures um the department of transport is saying they've taken on board the recommendations made uh, they say that they've already made major changes to ensure it doesn't happen again. And when we talk about other big rail projects, the HS2 line, the controversial high-speed line, the electrification of the railway, uh, they say that you know, those mistake, the mistakes then won't, won't be happening. Yeah, uh, all right, yeah, sure. Bring us up to date with the situation now with the West Coast Main Line. What's, think, where are we? I think the best phrase is kicking this into the long grass because the well, Virgin Run, uh, the, the temporary contracts at the moment. There is another temporary contract being um, given. So there's not a permanent contract. The next contract will, co- contract will be for after the next general election for a couple of years. So basically any permanent deal which was on the cards last year won't be looked at again for several years. Gavin, we always get you on, I and mean, this is comparatively light, we always get you on with, with quite heavy stories. Mm. Is there any chance you could come and do a nice story with us one day about, I don't know, ice cream or clouds or something? I'd love to. Can I do one on cats at some stage? Oh, man, can we get Gavin Leon to do a cat story, please? Yeah. Is that OK? I'll, I'll find something that gives, you know, a good 
cat rounder, but some stage, if you, forgive me that if, if I'm in the middle of, I don't know, because I'm off to the Falklands soon, oh, and I'm back into Libya, but, but oh, if, I, if, if I am from the Falklands and people <laughs> do want a cat report... Can you do, can you do a cat report from Libya, please? I tell you why, just because <laughs> I, I like you, I think you're a brilliant reporter, but we always, we always associate with all this doom and gloom and, mm. and all these horrible crimes and all this, you know, trains and stuff. Yeah, I, nice I am the fifth horse rider of the apocalypse. <laughs> you are, it'll be nice yeah. to get something a bit lighter. So we'll, we'll get a cat, a cat story from you soon, will we, Gavin? some stage, yeah. Excellent I'll stuff, present. thank you very much indeed, Gavin Lee there, who I think is brilliant, and he comes on every morning and he's a good sport, but he's always, he's talking about sex crimes and he's talking about trains and he's talking, oh dear, be like, wouldn't it be nice to get him to just do a light story about cats? We're going to get that. We'll sort that out. Thank you, Gavin. Excellent stuff indeed. Well, our reporter, Justin Dealey, is at Milton uh, Keynes train station this morning. You can probably see him there. He's a tall fella, big mop of uh, uh, highlighted hair, running around like a lunatic. If you see him, go and say hello, uh, have a word, and, and let him know what you think about the trains, about the £50 million been spent. And also, are you happy with the train service, the way it's going at the moment? Uh, Satnavs. Satnavs. I need someone to defend Satnavs. You're, you're all wrong. All, all of you. I thought this would, this would last about 30 minutes. We get a couple of calls going, yes, you're right, Ian. Maps are so old-fashioned. I can't live without my Satnav. Uh, but we've not. We've, you're all map users. Mary's in Bedford. Mary, Hello. Are, are you another map user? Oh, no, no. Um, I did years ago. I love my Satnav. Oh. I couldn't survive without my Satnav. My daughter goes to preschool in Bedford. Yeah. Before I had my Satnav, to go to Tesco after I dropped her off, it took me 45 minutes, mm. which it's not that far away, obviously. Yes. Um, once I got the Satnav, it took me three minutes. I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. So I'm not local to Bedford, I might add, no. but I have lived here for about nine years. But Hang the town a, centre just confused me. Hang on a second. Me. You've lived in Bedford for nine years? Yes. It was, taking, it was taking you 45 minutes to find Tesco from your daughter's school yeah. when it was only three minutes away. Three minutes, yeah. <laughs> oh, Mary, I love so you! I even went to Dorset in three hours with my sat-nav. It wow. was fab. There you go, you yeah, see. Yeah, I love my sat-nav. I couldn't live with my husband drives off and I don't have my sat-nav and he's got it in the car. I go mad. <laughs> oh, for goodness sake. No, make sure you keep that. Uh, do you have the vo- what, Do you have a voice on there? Yes, there's a, there's, um, I think it's a lady's voice, just a normal voice. Yeah. I like the American lady's voice. I don't know how to change the name. Oh. I don't know if you can on mine, but... Yeah. Um, yeah. Go, in, go in the settings. Yeah. You can have all different oh, kinds I'll of voices. Start, I'll start getting all the gadgets on it today, then. You should do. <laughs> yeah. Mary, listen, is that your little girl in the background? <laughs> yes, it is. She, how old is she? Um, three and a half. Oh! Going on 15. And, now, yeah. Aren't they fun? I, spent, I had yesterday my three-year-old <laughs> and my one-year-old, and boy, oh boy, it's hard work, oh, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, but this, it's, it's getting better, Yeah. and yeah. I'm just hanging on for September for school. Right. <laughs> is, she, is she at that stage, though, where she's really just kind of pushing the limits of, of, of acceptable behaviour to oh, see so what she can and can't that do? Up. That's just happening this last week, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. she had three nights at Nanny's. Right. And uh, she's, yeah, she's um, really trying it on my mum at the moment, but I'm, I'm sticking to it. Who's, who's the good cop and the bad cop? Oh, I... Dad's the good cop, oh. the fun guy, you know. Oh, really? Dad gets the, the iPad out and gets Peppa Pig on it, oh, and no. I, get the, I have to get the books out, and I get the, come on, we've got to go in ten minutes, now, 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 come on, let's go. Let's See, go I'm, and, I'm the yeah. bad cop, I'm the one that does yeah. the finger, I, I, I'm oh, no. wagging fingers. No, I'm the bad guy. Wow. Yeah. Mary, so listen, I'm sure you're doing a cracking job, and I'm glad that you're you, a supporter of the satnav. It's funny, about three, three and a half, they really just start pushing the boundaries and testing the limits, but I'm sure she's doing a cracking job. A defender of the sat-nav, I, to be honest, she needs it. 45 minutes to do a three-minute journey. There is an argument, isn't there, this hasn't been raised yet, that the sat-nav is kind of d- destroying our ability to think. 
Because I do, if I, in the past, when I've done routes by maps, done it twice, I know the route. Okay. If I do it by sat-nav, I can do it ten times by sat-nav and not have learnt the route. 08459 455555 is the telephone number if you want to give me a call. Now, residents of Dunstable say a pub that burned down 18 months ago is an eyesore and it should be removed. The Norman King pub in Church Street was badly damaged in an arson attack in August 2011. It was a Grade 2 listed building, but it's now lost its status. Our reporter, Victoria Cook, has been out to Dunstable to see what people think should be done with it. My sister-in-law actually had her wedding reception there. Oh, wow. It must have been a stunning venue. Yeah, it was really nice. It was really old and, yeah, really What did nice. you think when you heard that it caught fire? Um, it was a shame because it was so nice and it was so old and thatched roof. And, yeah, what was it like shame. inside? Very old, really, that's all I can say. I bet your sister must be so disappointed, such a happy day of her life, and yeah. that it's all gone up in flames. Yeah, she is really disappointed that it's not there anymore. So I suppose for your family, you want to see it back to how it was. Yeah, it would be nice to see it back how it was, yeah. It's one of those places that I always remember as a child, it always being there. So something that would still represent what the pub is, as it was. Do you think Dunstable needs another pub? No. <laughs> Why not? Dunstable's okay. got nothing but pubs. Yes, it should be rebuilt as another pub. Do you miss it? Yeah, because I only live around the corner from it. So you live around the corner, so it was your local? I watched it burn down and all. That it must was. have been an upsetting night. It was, yeah. It was very upsetting, really, because it's a shame it burned down. It was a lovely pub, and it had fallen and gone to a bit of disrepair, really. It needed tidying up. That's what they was doing when it burned down. Did it have a, a nice community feel about it? Did you have people that you knew that would always go there? No, it used to be like that, but in the last few years it wasn't so good. So you could do with a real community pub A real then. community pub, yes. So how did it make you feel as a local, only being 100 yards from its door, that you've essentially got a ruin right outside the front it's door? It's awful. You walk out the house and to look at that ruin, instead of just either pulling it down or put it back up, one or the other. I think if it's done well enough, I think if they stripped out everything but the original Norman wall and then spent maybe... I don't know, a million on it or something. Spent some serious money on it. I don't know, you look at the Aikman in Tring, I mean, they spent a lot of money on that, and, you know, they can charge nearly five quid a pint, and a lot of people go there. So, nice pub, about a million spent on it. You guys would go in? Yeah. Yeah, If it was really nice, I probably would. I love the first lady in that report. Well, what was the pub like? It was very old. And, And what did it look like? Well, it looked very old. And inside, what was it like? Very old. So I'm guessing it was very old. Well, later on in the programme, we'll be speaking to the Dunstable and District Local History Society about the history of the pub. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Ever tried to help out at your son or daughter's or your grandchildren's school? According to a new report, thousands of parents are being prevented from volunteering in schools due to suspicious and hostile criminal record checks. That's despite coalition reforms of CRB checks, which is now known as the Disclosure Disclosure and Barring Service, or DBS. Here in the three counties, checks carried out included a parent helper for a school disco in Hertfordshire and a volunteer Father Christmas. So... Do these parents in Harpenden think it's over the top? It's unfortunate that it's a necessity these days. You want your children to be safe, and that's part of it. I don't think anyone would really object to having 
safety for their children. The CRB check is reasonable and it kind of safeguards everyone. Definitely 100%. I've already got one through my job. They've asked for volunteers actually to go on a day trip, so I wouldn't have a problem doing it. I want to know who's with my child when I'm not there. I don't think they're strict at all. If you've got nothing to hide, then you can go and do it anyway. You need to know your children are safe in other parents. Always pleased that I know the staff and parents have all been checked. We're well, joined now by Josie Appleton, director of the Manifesto Club, who's published this report. Morning, Josie. Good morning. The report describes CRB checks as suspicious and hostile. Why? Well, I think that uh, as a parent, um, you, know, you, you go to the school, you drop your kids off, you know all the other kids, etc. So you have a relationship with the school. And then you want to go on a school trip, um, say, two weeks hence. In order to do that, you have to have a level of, of police security clearance, um, which exceeds that required to sell explosives. And I think that's just over the top. Um, but is that the CRB check? Yes, it, it's, it's extremely... Um, Good. Um, it's, Extremely high security and invasive procedure. Well, you're being slightly uh, uh, sensationalist by saying it's, it's higher than the, the, the what you need to sell explosives. Well, it's true in the sense well, that, um, that that just is really just requires a search of your criminal records. Where the CRB check it actually goes back through all the local police files to find any kind of accusations against you. Why is that <laughs> hostile though? That's a, that, that, listen. I've got two boys. I'm I, good. Good. Check everyone that's going on a school trip with my kids. Well, I mean, I've got. I've got a son as well, and I think that um, it's, it's not about um, how many children one has. Um, I mean, I think that... No, that's not the point I was making, Josie. Uh, what I'm saying is, if anybody is working with my children, I want to make sure they've not got sexual convictions against them. Check them all. What, so check the mother of, of your ch- uh, child's friend down the road? Yes. You don't think... Yes, you because know, parents you are also you sexual... You not have sexual convictions until you've had this police check. But parents are also... Uh, can be sexual abusers. So, yeah, check everyone, definitely. I know not it's not one perfect. One of the major high-profile shocking child abuse cases, not one of those cases involves someone with a record. The problem is not... It's um, not perfect, Josie, it's not perfect, but it's a start. people with actual sex, se- child sex abuse um, convictions is very small, it's in the thousands, you know. Good, well, let's, let's, let's weed them out. Why don't the police keep a track on them and make sure they're not checking, they're not working in schools, rather than... That's what, the, that's what the CRB does. All of... No, it doesn't. The, it CRB, doesn't. the CRB will flag up they've got a sexual conviction and will stop them working with children. The point is, is that somebody who, ha- who was a known sex ab- abuser who's been released from prison or whatever, they should be followed up. They shouldn't be released if they're still a risk to the public. They should have certain release conditions which involve not working at the school. But, Joseph, they are released, so we need to ensure they don't work with children. That's what the CRB does. You have 15,000 people with child sex offences. Right. You have 10 million people who work or volunteer with children. Right. Would you ask those 10 million people to pro- prove they're not a sex offender, or would you have some targeted system? It's just not effective. The CRB I, would, I would ask 100 percent to have all of those. Listen, I volunteered uh, at Great Ormond Street for two years. I got a CRB check. I didn't find it suspicious and hostile. I was proud to get it and get a clean one. You were proud to be proven not a sex offender? Yeah, I was proud to have a clean CRB record that, that w- meant I could work w- with children without any h- hint of suspicion. Yes, I was proud I, of that. I, think that. I think that's a bit of a perversion of the notion of trust, really, the fact that... Not in the slightest, Josie. We're working with, we're working yeah, with yeah, vulnerable children. Who has a clean CRB is, and that, and that's, that's, that, that is... It's about box ticking, right? So people think, oh, they've done the CRB check, and therefore they don't have to um, be vigilant and keep an eye on children. I think that's no, no one thinks that. Our responsibility for children. No, no one thinks that. Computer who, exercise. Who thinks that? Who thinks that they've got? A, listen, it's not perfect. You get a CRB check done every three years. I think it should be done every year, every six months. It should be done more often. Of course, it should. We have to protect our kids, Josie, and that's what the CRB does. You want? Do you have any cost to get to do all these CRB checks? I couldn't care well, less. You don't pay. I couldn't care less. I could pays. not care less. If it stops my kids getting touched, I them. couldn't care less. It won't stop them. It's if you a, put a fraction of that money. This is real. If you put a fraction of that money, 
you put a fraction of the 1.5 billion yeah. that the friends spent on CRB yeah. checks, if you put that into ch- please child protection departments, right. um, focus systems for actually following up child abuse, please ch- child protection departments are very underfunded. Right. They hardly have any money at all. But no, but no Josie, it, it's not either or. It can be both. Yes, that money is well spent on those CRB checks. No, of course, much it's more up- money is spent on CRB checks than spent on focus proper child abuse. Good. Um, following up well, accusations and serious may concerns. May I suggest that you then go and campaign for more money to be spent on that instead of trying to close down the CRB check? If it flags up... I'm not trying so- to close down the CRB check. I'm trying to say that a mother going on one um, school trip yeah. a year with her children and... And, and with my children. Child, the yeah. chances of her being a child abuser are minuscule bit. Right. Non-existent. No, I mean, no, 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 you can't say, Josie, Josie, you can't say non-existent. They're minuscule, yes, <coughs> you can't say non-existent. And that's a risk that I'm not prepared to take. You can't, you're not prepared to take uh, a minuscule version of non-existent risk. I'm, no, you can't say non-existent, Josie, because it's not non-existent, it's minuscule, there's a difference. Well, how many child and I am not prepared. women who've and I, Sorry? Child abuse, women aren't child abusers. Oh, Josie, really? In general, Are yeah. you going to, no, ho, ho, no, no, no. You just said, Josie. No, jo- no, 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 you've just said something that is wrong. You've just said something that is wrong and is dangerous. You've just said women... In general, that is the no, case. what you said was women are not child abusers. I remember a story about, mm, a year ago of a woman who worked in a nursery who was caught exactly. taking decent and pictures. she was CRB checked. Yes. She was working in a ring of people. Um, and Josie, you can't... What you are saying is, is flippant and is dangerous and is, is misleading. Women can be sex offenders. Yes, there are more men that are sex it's offenders. It's extremely unlikely that a mother bordering on it, bordering on her child's school right. is a child abuser. Okay. And for the school to ask Josie. her and to, to ask oh, her geez, to this woman is, is she real? Is this woman real? Listen, you say it's minuscule, right? That's still a gamble, right? That's not a gamble I'm prepared to take with my boys, I'm afraid. I'm not prepared to gamble with my children's safety. It's not a gamble, it's a question of reasonable, of targeting the risks where they actually are, rather than putting all your faith in a tick box um, bureaucratic procedure. If you want to focus on the 15,000 people who have child sex offences, then put them under more strict conditions. So so you're saying, Josie... To prove they're not a bank robber, or they're not a murderer... You oh, know who the bank ridiculous. robbers, you know who the murderers are, ridiculous. you know who the terrorists are, and you focus on them. What a ridiculous, ridiculous argument. So you're saying that there are, there are no female sex offenders? No, I didn't say that. It's extremely... You, you did, you did say that initially, then you corrected. Okay. No, 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 Josie. No, 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 no. Listen, you're changing what you're saying. You initially said there are no female sex offenders, then you said there are a few. Uh, the Lucy Faithful Foundation uh, uh, um, says, estimates there are 60,000 female offenders in Britain. So, yeah, I want 60, that... 60,000? Mon- Where's it going to figure from? The number of bad people on the bad list... Yeah, I want that... 20,000. I want that mum checked. Where are 60,000 people from? From the, uh, according to the Child Protection Lucy Faithful Foundation, I suggest well, why you... why aren't they on the bad list? Because the government has a national list I of suggest... people who are bad from working with children. Josie, listen, I think you live and in a... 15,000 to 20,000 people on. I think you live in a fantasy world, and it's, I'm sure it's wonderful there where everyone's trustworthy, everyone's great, and everyone can hang out with your kids. It's not the world I want to live in. More CRB checks, more often, for anyone that's involved with my it kids. children to be paranoid of everybody. No, it doesn't take... The children don't need to know about it, Josie. You're teaching the children... No, it. the children don't need to know about the CRB checks. If you let them know, you're making them paranoid. Kids don't need to know about CRB checks. They don't need to know what it is. They know exactly what they are. No, they stupid. don't. No, Josie, they, they, it's because you're telling them. You don't need to tell them that people have been CRB checked. It, they don't need to know about it. You're children scaring kids. Do children know about it? My three-year-old does not know I've had a CRB check, no. No, well, he's three, right? So, I mean, yeah, he's three, right? Know, and I think that... Jeez, are you for real? We're the only country in the world that has this system. The Good. only country. And we're leading the way. Congratulations on Great Britain. We're doing something right. 
Juicy, uh, Josie, you live in a, in a fantasy world. I wish everybody were, were, were great and fun and wonderful to be That's around kids. The point. the point is They're to not. target the risk when it happens. It's the same thing as when you go to the airport and your two-year-old has boots on, they make your two-year-old take her boots off to see if she's got a bum Yeah, because it. you know what? Some terrorists use children as, as to carry things. Josie, I'm going to say goodbye. That was Josie Appleton there, director of the Manifesto Club. What do you think? Scaremongering a bit. Kids don't need to know about CRB checks. Of course they don't need to know. You don't tell the, you don't tell your eight-year-old, by the way, I'm just going to go and have a check to make sure I'm not a nonce. You don't, you don't, you don't do that. What do you think? Do you agree with Josie? That, that, uh, I would say some of her language was slightly inflammatory and um, exciting. A little bit tabloid. What do you think? Listen, if you're going on a school bus with my kid, I'd, yeah, why not have a CRB check? I don't mind. You're being a father Christmas. Yeah, actually, I would like you to have a CRB check to make sure you're not a convicted sex, of- sex offender. It's not perfect. Oh, it's not perfect at all. It's flawed. Of course it's flawed. It's the best we've got at the moment. And yes, I was proud to get my CRB through the post that said I was clear. It meant I could, I could proudly walk into Great Ormond Street, give it to the, the, the volunteers there and say, yep, I can come and work with you. I have a clean record. When do I start? Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning! Coming up in the next half an hour, when did you last use a map? There's a story in the paper uh, this morning about a couple got divorced because she couldn't read the map and the judge in the court went, yeah, it happens to me as well, to be honest. A map, though? In 2013? I'll be speaking to motoring journalist Maria McCarthy to see if she still thinks there is a place for them. We're also, I mean, we're all over the shop with our stuff today, but it makes it a cracking show. Pubs, sex clubs, and CRB checks. You may have just heard me, um, how can I put that? Uh, having a discussion with uh, Josie Appleton, director of the Manifesto Club, who published a report saying that CRB checks, they're suspicious and hostile, they're over the top. What do you think? Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Particularly keen to talk to you if you have had to apply for a CRB check. What were you doing, and did you find it intrusive? You don't do anything. You fill in a form. You send it to the police. I think it took about two months for mine to come back. And in that two months, you're thinking, oh god. Is, is, hang on, did I did I do something? I mean, the late nineties were very dark, but I don't think. No. And it comes back, and you go, yay. That's all it takes. It's a few quid. That's got to be worth it, hasn't it? Trevor's in Radlett. Morning, Trevor. Morning, how are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm good, thank you. I'm, I'm confused by what Josie w- w- was saying. <laughs> Is she for real? I, I, I mean, I, Apparently so, yes. No, I mean, anyone that's got, um, got a problem with having these checks done must have something to hide, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, there's not a problem with it. You know, I mean, uh, like I was saying, we're, we're having a, just organising a birthday party for my son, and we're making yeah. sure that even the DJ's got a check. And is that easy to do? Could you, I mean, are, are DJs for kids' parties checked? I guess they must be. Yeah, because what we do is we, we go through recommendations through the school. So right. it'll be one that had been used at the school previously so that we know that they've been checked, you see. And we do hear instances that, 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 that there is, apparently there is a school where they wanted the parents that, that were going to go and watch a sports day to be CRB checked. And perhaps that's a little bit extreme. But if you're working with my kids, if you're in contact with my kids... I want you checked. That's yeah. that's right, isn't it? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that at all. At least, at least you know they've all been checked. At least you know they're in safe hands. And it's not perfect, isn't it? It's, it's a flawed system. You know, you don't get you only get checked once every three years. So, the, the, but and it only shows up if you've been convicted. But yeah. it's all we've got, and and we've got to do everything we can to protect our kids, haven't we? 
Well, something's better than nothing, isn't it? At least, at least you've a bit, bit, a bit more peace of mind. Trevor, when's, when's, have, you know? when's the birthday party? It's uh, next month, five, on the 21st. Five, five years old? Five, yeah. How, 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 how many kids you got coming? Uh, I think at last count there's about 35. <laughs> oh, Trevor! <laughs> you idiot! <laughs> Do you know what you're getting yourself involved with here? Yeah, there's been quite a lot of parties recently, so we're sort of getting used to it. Yeah, oh, it's, so. it's, it's that thing when, when when one kid has a party, you get invited, then you've got... It, it's kind of the circle of parties, isn't it? That's it. He's getting quite quite a full calendar. He's getting quite a busy lad. They're, 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 kids these days, they've got way too much going on. That's it. Trevor, listen, have a cracking party. Thank you very much for calling. Brian's in High Wycombe. Morning, Brian. Morning. I'd like to be a meeting of extremes. I think things got rather heated over what's a very complicated issue. Yes. Uh, I do find that uh, I thought things were going a sensible way when uh, my CRB to teach in, any, uh, in one school, yep. um, the school said, well, why? because I go into a lot of schools, they said, well, why can't we have it made out for all schools? So the next three years of all schools, yeah. now I'm being told it's got to be for every school, um, every club. You know, what's the difference? Is there a difference yeah. in the check? I mean, to me, that seems a waste of money. That is ridiculous, yes, and, to be checked um, for every place you go to. One, one so should I, cover all, shouldn't it, really? Yeah, and every three years, well, not every year, I went into one school and the head said, well, yeah, you'll see how big is OK today, but <laughs> you might have done an offence tomorrow. Mm, and mm. is that actually flagged up and going to all the schools and... Uh, well, no, I don't think it is, and this is one of the flaws in the system, is that you can do something after you've got your, your clean bill of health, so to speak, yeah. and that doesn't show up till the next check, and that is the flaw. And it's not a perfect system, no. Brian, and of course it's ridiculous that you, you have to get one done for every club you go to and every school you go to. One should cover all, but it's, it's the best we've got at the moment, isn't it? And in the case of a DJ, it's hardly likely to be with any child for a period of time. I was in a school, it was a girls' school, because yeah. I teach in any school, uh, that want to learn uh, uh, chess, in fact, in this oh. case. But uh, I was in a... I go mostly after school, but sometimes in the lunch break. I was in a classroom and setting up for uh, a lunchtime group, and a lot of girls came in mm. and started changing for PE. Oh. Now, there, you see, I'm on... I went... Uh, OK, they changed and... How old were they, Brian? Uh, well, they were... These are primary school children. Right, OK. And I said to the head, I don't think, you know, this puts me in a very difficult position. Good for you. And she made sure that didn't happen again. Good for you. So this was all covered, <clears throat> but then, of course, I took the initiative in that case. And yes. So I can see the need for CRB. Not, not everyone is as decent as you are. Well, right. did I, you hope, say, did you I say hope the majority are, and I think there just needs to be a balance, that's the point. And I thought things got rather heated, and are, I think... You know, I was agreeing with both of you. Yes. And, um, it's certain issues. Brian... And I think it's very complicated, and I think so, let me have my word. No, Brian, did you say, did you say you teach chess to primary school children? Yeah, unfortunately, I'm 79, I can't get anybody. Oh. There's a school, I got, yes, I, 12 is really a minute maximum I want. Yeah. But, um, the school I went to yesterday, I had a group of 16 oh, and a group of 18. Now, there's an independent school... Yeah. ...who, and I have spoken to Nick Coffer on... This issue, he he kindly gave me a whole session well, to talk about this like because I'm now, but yes. very enthusiastic. We used to have half the schools in South Berkshire. This is a different. I won't go on with this. Just last finally, we had half the schools in South Berks with good primary school chess clubs, 
and uh, where my son was uh, playing, and now it's really only one other apart from the ones I teach here, and that's just South Bucks. <laughs> well, Brian, listen, thank you for calling. Brian in High Wycombe. And, and well done you for teaching kids chess. I learnt chess very young. I can't remember how old I was. I, I was at primary school. I remember being in the Cubs and going to a chess tournament. Got to the semi-finals of a chess tournament. Yeah! I was, I was very much the cool kid. When I was nine, I got to the semi-finals of a chess tournament in a church hall in Slough. Well done. I love a bit of chess. It's, it's, a, it's a dying art form, and it's good that there are people like Brian out there teaching it. Uh, Sam says on the text, My stepmother abused her children and is on the sex offenders registers, uh, register for the crime she committed. I have a criminal check for job at an airport. Nothing to hide. No problem. Um, Jean says you can have a new CIB today. Commit a crime tomorrow. It won't show. Yeah, that's, that's the flaw in the system. It's not perfect. And Stephen says, I'm supportive of the CRB, except that I work for three charities, and all three charities had to do a separate CRB on me, which is costly. And, and again, it's not perfect. It's the best we've got. So let's work within that and try and improve it from within. Now, a couple have got divorced, allegedly over an argument about map reading. They were on a posh holiday, she couldn't read the map, it kicked off, they got divorced. Well, the, the, the thing I find weird about this is, they were using maps... In 2013? What? Well, Maria McCarthy is a motoring journalist and author of the Girls' Car Handbook. Good morning, Maria. Good morning. People still using maps. What on earth is going on? I still use maps. Oh, dear. Yeah, I mean, I've got a sat-nav, but I'm, I'm a bit of a belt and braces sort of person. No. I quite often like to um, look up the journey on the map and then also, you know, use the sat-nav as well. Like, they sort of complement each other, if you see what I mean. I don't like the idea of just listening to this voice, sort of saying, turn left, turn right. To me, I don't know. I, I think perhaps it's an age thing. You know, perhaps if I was 20 years younger, it would be different. Well, exactly. I'm, I'm not going to ask how old you are, Maria. Obviously, you're... <laughs> 35. You're a gentleman. Yes. But I, I, perhaps it is an age thing. I'm kind of gadgety and I'm kind of, you know, been grown up around computers. So for me to stick a sat-nav on my dashboard and let that do everything, that makes sense. Uh, and and for, for even younger people than me. But I can understand that, that, that perhaps some people are slightly wary of yes, this technology. That's, that's right, that's right. But I did, I did quite laugh, actually, about the story, because I do sort of sympathise. I mean, uh, I do think those sort of, like, you know, map-reading arguments or direction arguments that you have in the car yeah. can actually be very stressful. I mean, one of my sort of, like, you know, um, bugbears has always been, you know when you're almost at the place that you need to get, and so you need, but it's obviously going to be up some sort of funny turning and things, you're in some little village and there's some old boy there with his dog, and you know that if you pull over and ask him, you know, he will know. Mm. And, um, you know, my ex partner's always like, no, no, I'm going to find it. Um. I'm going to find it. And, like, and we're driving past, I think, because they just do that thing, they won't stop and ask. I you know? you so say that, they, that's Maria. That's the I'm, thing that annoys me. I'm one of them. Of course I'm not going to ask. I will find it on my own way. I'm not going to ask that old boy with his dog. Why not, though? Why not? It doesn't compromise your masculinity. You know, you can still be a cool dude and ask <laughs> to by the directions. I, I, I think the thing is, it, it, it does it does emasculate you slightly, and also I can never remember them. If it goes if it goes past two directions, I forget. Them. You're right about the arguments, though, because I remember my mum and dad having some great rows in the car. It's the, which way now? It's this left, and he turned, dad would turn left. She goes, "No, no, I meant the other left." You mean oh. right? Yeah, they're right. The women, and I'll say it: women don't know left and right. I, I have to admit, I'm not very good on left and right. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Why? It's true, and I've said that before. You get loads of women going, oh, now don't be so sexist. It's true, though. Women's brains don't know left and right as well as men. 
I think it's, I mean, I've had this, reason, this discussion loads of times about, like, those space relations. And of course, there will be, you know, women sitting there with steam coming out their ears going, I know my left and right. And what it is, of course, it isn't that all men know left and right and no women do. It's not like that. It's more sort of a general thing, if yes. you know I me. Mean. So broadly speaking, you know, um, studies have shown that men's idea of spatial relationship is broadly speaking better than women's. But there'll be some women who are brilliant, you know, and some men who are rubbish. So, you know, that's a sort of clarification of it, as it were. Maria, do, do you have, um, uh, uh, what voice do you have on your sat-nav? Catherine Boyle, our newsreader, has Stephen Fry doing this, which is very sophisticated. Oh, no, I've got an ordinary one, just yeah. some bog-standard voice. You know, I don't think I'd like a, a character somehow. You know, no. I think I like to keep, I don't know, I don't, I, unlike you, I don't really have that much of a technology w- relation with technology. I'm quite sort of frightened, really, of my technology. I'm a bit, like, frightened of my phone and you know, frightened oh, of my computer. Or is that worried that something's going to go wrong and I won't really be able to handle it? So, so no, I think that, um, uh, you know, having a character wouldn't really work for me. Maria, listen, thank you very much for coming on. Maria McCarthy, motoring journalist, author of The Girl's Car Handbook. Is it a generation thing? Maybe we've, we've stumbled on something. I'm, I'm 39, let's say 40, for argument's sake. I'm, it's only a few months away. 40 and over, I'm guessing you use maps. 40 under, under 40, the sat-navs. 08459 455 555. And I don't mean to be rude, but women, you don't know your left and right. And as far as these strip clubs are... Oh, t- <laughs> where did that come from? Hang on a second, let me see. If I press this button... There we go, right. Do apologise. How inappropriate. Strip clubs. We'll talk about that in a bit. You'll see what that was. Residents of Dunstable say a pub that burned down 18 months ago is an eyesore and it should be removed. The Norman King pub in Church Street was badly damaged in an arson attack in August 2011. It's a, it was a Grade 2 listed building, but it's now lost its status. Our reporter, Victoria Cook, has been finding out what people think should happen to the site. I believe one of these ladies thinks that the pub was very old. My sister-in-law actually had her wedding reception there. Oh, wow. It must have been a stunning venue. Yeah, it was really nice. It was really old and, yeah, really What did nice. you think when you heard that it caught fire? Um, it was a shame because it was so nice and it was so old and thatched roof. And, yeah, what was it like inside? Very old, really. That's all I can say. I bet your sister must be so disappointed. such a happy day of her life and yeah. that it's all gone up in flames. Yeah, she is really disappointed that it's not there anymore. So I suppose for your family, you want to see it back to how it was. Yeah, it would be nice to see it back how it was, yeah. It's one of those places that I always remember as a child, it always being there. So something that would still represent what the pub is as, as it was. Do you think Dunstable needs another pub? No. <laughs> Why not? Dunstable's got nothing but pubs. Yes, it should be rebuilt as another pub. Do you miss it? Yeah, because I only live around the corner from it. So you live around the corner, so it was your local? I watched it burn down and all. That must have been an upsetting night. It was, yeah. It was very upsetting, really, because it's a shame it burned down. It was a lovely pub, and it had gone to a bit of disrepair, really. It needed tidying up. That's what they was doing when it burned down. Did it have a a nice community feel about it? Did you have people that you knew that would always go there? No, it used to be like that, but in the last few years it wasn't so good. So you could do with a real community pub A real community pub, yes. So how did it make you feel as a local, only being 100 yards from its door, that you've essentially got a ruin right outside the front door? It's awful. You walk out the house and to look at that ruin, instead of just either pulling it down or put it back up, one or the other. I think if it's done well enough, I think if they stripped out everything but the original Norman wall and then spent maybe... I don't know, a million on it or something. Spent some serious money on it. I don't know, you look at the Aikman in Tring, I mean, they spent a lot of money on that, and, you know, they can charge you know, nearly five quid a pint, and a lot of people go there. 
So nice pub, about a million spent on it. You guys would go in? Yeah. yeah <laughs> if it was really nice, I probably would. Well, John Buckledy chairs Dunstable and District Local History Society. Morning, John. Morning. We had the, the young lady at the start of that report saying it was very old. Oh, it's very old. It wasn't that old, was it? Uh, no, not not as a pub. No, 1961 it was open. It was a converted stable, but they'd. Uh, it was a very old original building. Uh, the, you know, you know, the stable dated back to the 1700s, I think. Uh, and a lot of the, um, the brickwork in it was um, w- w- was very old. They, they'd, in fact, there was a monastery opposite, which Henry VIII had knocked down, and they'd used a lot of the Norman stone from that oh, to uh, oh. to build one of the walls. But, uh, I mean, archaeologists in the future, if, if that rubble still remains underground after they've done something with the site, they're going to have a real problem sorting it out, because it, it used a lot of stonework from an old castle uh, in oh. Cambridgeshire, uh, when the, um, the, the pub architects in 1961 decided to remodel the whole thing, uh, and they used some, uh, some building material from a cottage in Cambridgeshire, and they used some oak panelling from an old church. Um, so his materials are from all over the place? Yeah, so if the archaeologists okay. in, uh, in a thousand years' time try and sort that site out, they're going to have a real puzzle. Well, what, need, yeah. what were the main features of the pub before the fire, John? It was a stable... Um, the, the, the whole block of buildings along there called Kingsbury was Kingsbury Farm. Um, and uh, the, the, the origin of that was a stable. It had been a town library, it had been a town museum, then it became a livery stable, then it became a riding school. Uh, and then when the riding school packed up, Flowers Brewery uh, bought it and they lavished care on it to make it uh, fit the site and make it a real landmark building on that uh, the very prominent corner of, of, of the area, and it was a beautiful, beautiful building, and it's a tragedy that it's been burned down. Well, I was going to say, John, when, when um, the obviously very important building to you, and very, as you say, very beautiful, when, when you heard about 18 months ago it burnt down, what, what, what kind of reaction do, do you and your historical society have to something like that? We, we were absolutely shattered. It was uh, incredibly disappointing. And, but then, unfortunately, the um, in the court case of the chap who burnt the thing down, um, uh, the lawyers were kept on banging on about it being a 12th century coaching in and uh, historians were ringing the history society up saying uh, is that right is that right and we had to say well actually no uh, 1961 I, I know that because i attended the opening right. <laughs> oh really uh, yeah yeah so so we, we were we were sort of ever, ever so eager to have it rebuilt in its original state, but we couldn't, in all, in, in all honesty, say it was a, a medieval <laughs> coaching in, which was ridiculous. What's going what's to happen to the site, John? Are there any clues? Well, uh, it's owned by, I gather, by the Old Palace Lodge, which is next door, and uh, that they were in the process of refurbishing it to extend their hotel, and one is uh, desperately hoping that they will rebuild it in some kind of uh, similar style. Uh, which would be lovely. It would be a real or, asset to the hotel and to the Or, town. John, how about a nice glass conservatory? A gla- well, I'd a beautiful like one glass, my, uh, chrome. Oh, it'd look wonderful, chrome, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> I, oh, I really do hope not. I'd have it for my house, but... Uh, <laughs> do, when something like that is, it happens, does the hotel come and talk to you and ask for your opinion, or, or do you have any influence over it at all? No, not at all. Uh, the, the, the council contacted us, uh, to try and uh, when, when the listed building status was in um, disarray, um, they, they came to us and said, "Give us absolute chapter and verse right from when Henry the first first built. Uh, well, it was a hunting lodge there originally, we think, 
um, uh, built by King Henry I, but the site of that is in dispute. Uh, There's no real uh, evidence, no archaeological evidence where that was, but we had to give them chapter and verse on it. There's an archaeologist called Barry Horn who's just published last week a book called Early Dunstan. Barry Horn. uh, He's published a book which is putting forward the theory that, in fact, the old hunting lodge was just about 50 yards away further down the King's... Damn you, Barry Horn, and your controversial theories! (laughs) For goodness sakes! (laughs) There's some springs there, you see. Ah. Uh, They needed water, and uh, you'd assume the hunting lodge was near a water supply. So it's ever so interesting, but until somebody finds some remnants, um, we don't really know. John, listen, I really appreciate your time coming on this morning. John Buckledy, Chairs Dunstable and District Local History Society. I'm going to surprise you now. I love stuff like that. I love stuff like that. Local history. I lived for a long time in, in North London, in Muswell Hill, which is, which is full of history. And when I moved there, I bought all of these, as many books as I could find about the local area, history books. And my wife was like, what are you, what are you doing with those? You're never going to read those. Oh, what I did. I'd sit in bed at night. I know, I know. I would sit in bed at night reading these local history books. I think it's important. If you're going to live somewhere, if someone's your home, it's important to kind of know... How many people were killed there 500 years ago? Do you know what I mean? What it was for? I love stuff like that. A little bit of local history. A bit, a bit of colour, a bit of glamour. Well, glamour's perhaps completely the wrong word there. OK, this morning, lots of things that we can uh, still talk about before nine o'clock, before JVS comes in and does his thing, including, I really want to speak to you this morning. We're talking CRB checks. I would love to speak to you if you've had to apply for a CRB or more than one. There's a report out that says that they're, they're hostile. They, cre- they, they spread suspicion. They're unnecessary. They don't work. They serve no purpose. I don't think they're brilliant, the CRB. I don't think they're brilliant, but it's the best thing we've got, isn't it? Uh, Sue says uh, on the email, CRB checks are not worth the paper they're written on for those sex offenders intent on committing offences against children. Huntley was able to work in a school with a criminal record against young women because the authorities do not have an adequate liaison system. Didn't the CRBs come in after Huntley? I'm not totally sure. We'll have a look into that. I thought that was kind of part of the reason they got introduced. The CRB is only effective if the offender has been caught too and not for those that have never been caught. BBC Three Counties Radio. First for news. I think you're doing a cracking job, despite what everyone else is saying, Catherine. Well, thanks very much for your support. You're welcome. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Six till nine every weekday morning. Three minutes past eight. Tuesday, the 26th of February. And I'm fancying a latte. Yeah, I know, I work in the media. I can have one of those Ponzi coffees and and get away with it. I might have a skinny latte. (laughs) Yes, oh, I know, yes. Lots coming up in the last hour of the show. In about 15 minutes, JVS will pop in and tell us what he's talking about. In the meantime, the fiasco over the West Coast mainline has cost you a fortune. £50 million. And our reporter, Justin Delia, spent the morning at Milton Keynes Railway Station finding out what you think. Ever tried to get a CRB check? Really keen to talk to you this morning if you've you've applied for a CRB check, or more than one. A report out claims the checks are suspicious and hostile towards parents who are just wanting to help out. If you missed the interview, go back about 40 minutes or so. I'd say interview. Let's be honest, it was an argument between me and the woman. She thought that they were were, uh, uh, unhelpful. I thought she was wrong and living in cloud cuckoo land. 
Well, Hertfordshire solicitor Malcolm Underhill will be in the studio in a few minutes to give us his perspective. And as you heard in the news, a Bedford man is calling for the council to adopt a zero-sex entertainment policy in the borough. He claims strip clubs fuel sexism and racism. Well, I'll be speaking to Gemma, she's a lap dancer from Luton, to see if she agrees. I'm guessing she probably won't. If you want to get in touch, facebook.com. You're busy on the Facebook this morning. Some of you are posting very bizarre posts. I'm not quite sure what you're banging on about, but we appreciate your custom. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text. Include your name in the text, please. Otherwise, it doesn't get read out. 81333. Start your text 3CR. And look, again, the top of the hour... A completely clean switchboard. Now is the perfect time to give us a call. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. The collapse of the contract to run the West Coast Main Line through Watford and Milton Keynes has cost the taxpayer at least... £50 million, pounds, and that's, uh, that's a conservative estimate. That's according to a report by MPs. The Public Accounts Committee has warned that the figure will probably rise. Our reporter Justin Dealey has been out talking to passengers. Well, Sean, you go from Milson Keynes to Chester twice a week. Um, what's your reaction to the news that we're hearing this morning? £50 million pounds of taxpayers' money. It's outrageous. Uh, unbelievable. Complete waste. At a time when the country's going through hard times, you know, that money can be better spent elsewhere. NHS, teaching, schools... It's outrageous. And how is the service as we currently stand? I think it's great. It's never let me down. Always on time. Clean, tidy trains. What more can you want? So Virgin have got it for a, for a bit longer. You'd yeah. certainly hope that they would continue to, to run that service because you as a commuter, it serves you well twice a week and you pretty much always get there on time. See no reason to change it, right? It, it does the job. does it well. Well, Dan, you're travelling to Crewe twice a week. It's a long way. Um, you've heard the news this morning about £50 million pounds of taxpayers' money. Like many people here, you're not happy about that, are you? Yeah, it's an absolute scandal. It's money down the drain. £50 million pounds for, for nothing, just through mishandling the contract. It should have been routine admin. And uh, somebody needs to be held accountable for it. And on the whole, are you happy with the service still? Uh, the Virgin service is excellent. Yeah, it's generally on time. I see a couple of minutes late today, but that's the exception. Uh, comf- comfortable trains, there's enough capacity on the trains. Um, can't really complain about Virgin at all. Well, sir, you're about to board the Chester train this morning. £50 million of taxpayers' money wasted on this fiasco. As a user, what's your reaction to that? It's obviously uh, deeply concerning that amount of money has been wasted uh, avoidably on a uh, um, uh, wasted procurement. Is there any excuse for this at all, do you think? Uh, not really. None, none's been offered thus far, which is uh, persuasive. Whenever I come here, people always say to me, the service on Virgin Trains has always been fantastic. Would you go along with that? Yeah, generally. It's, you know, there's always going to be problems, but generally it's very reliable. And just lastly, £50 million, pounds, um, if that wasn't wasted on this fiasco, how would you spend that money in this country? It's always very difficult to answer that, but I mean, there's obviously a whole range of uh, other um, beneficial projects that the money can be invested in. What would be your top priority? Uh, Put you on the spot now. <laughs> Probably reduction of debt. Philip, you've got a long journey ahead of you. Off to Liverpool on Virgin Trains today. Um, the £50 million pounds we're talking about. Can you tell me what you think about that? Yeah, I just think the uh, the, the £50 million pound just seems a, a drop in the ocean to the government and £50 million pounds to spend on something like this and a fiasco is just incredible, really. With all the problems that we've got nowadays with the economy and everything else, um, £50 million pounds has just seemed to be wiped off and it just seems nothing. Every time I come here, there really seems to be a bad taste about this. People just can't really understand how this has happened. No, I just think it's like a 
a lot of things to be honest it it just seems to be that there's only one thing after another and it's just another thing if you're talking about 50, 50 million pounds as I mentioned it's, it's just one thing after another and it just, just seems to be it's just one of those things that's happened and let's just wipe it under the carpet something else that happened to take its place and they'll just get forgotten about but it's not it's one, not one of those things that can be forgotten about simply not good enough no it's not good enough and to be honest the service that we had before with uh, Virgin was absolutely fine I didn't see any reason to change it excellent stuff there Justin Dealey thank you very much we've been talking about CRB checks this 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 report says that they're unhelpful and it's not fair and we shouldn't be checking people who are working with kids and oh come on get a grip I want to make sure it's a flawed system I want to make sure my two boys are as safe as possible Chris is in Dunstable morning Chris good morning what, what do you think about CRB checks well I actually agree with them I've worked in the health and social care industry for 20 odd years just to answer your question about the Ian Huntley, they came in after he committed those gross acts of murder on those two young girls. They had what they call a Bichard inquiry right. sometime after that happened. He actually revolutionised it. And obviously, you know, it's now in place. But can I just make two points? Yes. People that work in the health and so- social care industry, be whether it's administration or in care, they have to have them. They, they, they do weed people out. We do have policies in, in, in place and procedures like um, safeguarding on vulnerable adults. Anybody who commits an act of gross indecency, be whether it's a financial abuse or physical abuse, is on that list. You cannot cheat the system. Mm. They, they do work. So the report that's been brought out, to me personally, is an absolute load of rubbish. Well, one of the arguments that the, 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 the lady I was speaking to was saying was that, that, yeah, they only show you if you've been caught. And also, you, if, if you get a clean CRB today, yeah. you can go and do something this afternoon and it won't show up for three years. Well, I, I have to say, I have known people who have been in trouble, not anything serious, um, who've had cautions by the police and they're still on their CRBs and they stay on there for life. Mm. Any, any, any conviction you have, be whether it's a caution, it could be for assault, it could be for, for, for shop theft, they stay on your life, uh, your record for life. So they, they, they do work. Yes, the, the, you know, there probably are people out there that have probably slipped out of the system over the years. Yes. But I find it very hard to believe nowadays that you would get away without without it. All right, Chris, listen, thank you very much indeed. Just, we just want to clarify this Ian Huntley CRB thing. Uh, Producer Laura, you've been looking into this, have you? Yeah, we have. It would seem that there were just months actually in uh, in the timeline on this. Um, according to uh, the Bishard Inquiry report, which Chris and Dunstable just mentioned there, uh, apparently there were serious errors in the handling of Ian Huntley's vetting check um, as a result of problems in the Cambridgeshire Constabulary's local CRB. They'd only just been put in place a few months before before. So they started before Huntley was convicted, yeah, right? But okay. Just it was it was a matter of a few months, and then uh, following um, the uh, what happened with Ian Huntley, uh, checks uh, then became a lot more serious. Um, the errors in the constabulary were flagged up, and um, and it went forward from there. Okay, excellent stuff, producer Laura. Thank you very much indeed. Carol's emailed in. Do we really need a CRB check for everyone coming into contact with a child if they're not ever going to be left alone with a child? I think not only if they're left alone, which most parents will not be able to do. It's about common sense, surely. CRB checks are very expensive for local authorities and small clubs in particular, like scouts, are hit hard by them. Carol, sorry, are you saying that CRB checks shouldn't be in place for the scouts? Because let me tell you, the clubs I went to, if CRB checks had been uh, in place then, a lot of things wouldn't have happened. Oh, let me tell you, you're saying that scouts and clubmasters 
can't be sex offenders. Is that what you're saying? Oh, Carol. Well, so, uh, listen, mo- of course most of them aren't. Most of them aren't. 99.999% aren't. Of course they aren't. But I know for a fact that some of them are. Uh, a couple of texts on this as well. Uh, I volunteered with my children's school and cub groups, and I know how you felt when you got your clean CRB. I did. I felt proud to have it. Because it meant I could walk into a place and my head held high. No, no one could look at me suspiciously. I want to be involved with and support my children in what they're doing, but I'm often the only male volunteer. Aha. And having a check that says I'm trustworthy is great, even if it isn't the perfect system on its own. I think that's the thing. Maybe it's being a bloke with kids. I took my little boy to a playgroup yesterday. I was the only dad there. It was all mums. There were about 15, 20 mums and me. And I felt, I did feel a little bit uncomfortable there. I felt a little bit, I was talking to a little girl. A little girl comes over, a little three-year-old girl comes over and talks to you. What do you do? You can't go, I can't talk to you, I'm a bloke. I was talking to her and I felt, got to make sure that they can see I'm with my kids so they don't think I've just wandered in. Uh, Andy says, CRB will only show convicted crimes. It will also flag up any other convictions. They're good, but flawed. It's sad that you feel proud to clear one. Maybe you're like a lot of others in the paranoid world. Ah, maybe. I don't know. Uh, And Judy, very quickly, CRB checks are a good thing, but can't be taken as 100%. They only show those people who've been caught and have a record. Parents and teachers should therefore still be vigilant and not become complacent. And I don't think CRB checks make people complacent. Now, there's a a, a breaking news story that's uh, uh, rather horrific. It's a hot air balloon crash in Egypt that we've been hearing about in the news with Catherine. It's believed that up to 19 people have been killed when the balloon came down in the city of Luxor. There are suggestions that British tourists were on board. The BBC's Ben Ando is monitoring reports. He says hot air ballooning in Egypt has become very popular with tourists. Ballooning around Luxor is something that's become something of a tradition for uh, tourists who are travelling there. It's been described as the world's greatest open-air museum with large numbers of temples and statues, relics of ancient Egypt that people like to go and see. Officials say the balloon caught fire and exploded at around a 1,000 feet before plunging into a sugarcane field. Only one tourist and the pilot are believed to have survived. The Independent's travel editor, Simon Calder, says it raises questions about safety standards. I'm not sure of the regulation that takes place in Egypt. In the UK, the Civil Aviation Authority monitors and uh, regulates all of balloon activities and ballooning is just as safe as commercial aviation in the UK, which makes it very safe indeed. I'm not sure what standards are operated there. Everyone will have had a safety briefing, but tragically, if there is a gas explosion at an altitude like that, it it, uh, is going to be an awful event. Oh, those poor souls. I've got shivers down my spine. Imagine. Oh, dear. Well, the Foreign Office have told the BBC they are investigating, and of course we will bring you more on this story as and when we get it. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Sophie, when you hear your music, mm-hmm. do you ever kind of rock out to it? I'm really rocking out to the, the travel music today. If I do, I get a bit distracted. Right. So it's probably best not to. Do you listen to it at home? Do you go home and, and put the CD on and just, just wig out in your living room? Does that happen? What, go home and put, put the jingles on? Yeah. Oh, Yeah. Nice one. I'll see you later for a jingle party. Sophie Tyler. Nick Coffer. Monday to Saturday from 12 on BBC Three Counties Radio. What were you saying, uh, Jonathan? I was just saying it's nice that you're wearing your scarf. (laughs) It's cold in this studio. It is very chilly, Willy, this morning. Isn't it? It's really nippy. Oh, I've had enough of it. Do you like the hot weather? No. What? No, I don't like the hot weather. Oh, I like it really hot. I'll tell you why. No, I'll tell you why the cold weather is better. Why? Because with the cold weather... 
you can keep putting layers on. You can turn the heat. You can keep putting layers and layers and vests and, and, and T-shirts and jumpers and scarves. With the hot weather, there's only so much you can take off. Oh, it's lovely, though, isn't it? No, it's not. It's nice. Walk around in your pants. Oh, for God's sake! What? No, it's awful. It's, when it's hot, you just lie there and you sweat. Oh, so, you wait. Uh, in August, I'll be coming in in my pants. You will not be coming anywhere near me in your pants. Why not? I, don't, I do not want to see you in your pants. I don't want you coming in your pants. If it's, uh, if, if it's hot, if it's hot, then I'll be wearing my pants. Not in the studio, you won't. <laughs> Honestly, I do not. Not in this studio. I don't want to. S- have you have you ever applied for the CRB? Uh, no, no. I've I, had to apply for one. Have you? Yeah, I did, and I was proud to get a clean one. Right, yes. Well, I've heard you're getting very heated about this this morning, and from nine, yes. if it's all right with you, we're going to continue this on the big phone-in. Do I get any money when you steal our... No. Ah. And it's not stealing, we're taking it on. Coming up at nine, do CRB checks do more harm than good? Uh, as you've been discussing this morning, a group which campaigns against the over-regulation of society says CRB checks are preventing parents from volunteering at their children's school. The Manifesto Club claims that the criminal records check are a suspicious and hostile way of carrying on. But the checks, which were launched in 2002, were brought in to help protect children to identify those who wanted to work in areas that would give them access access to youngsters but who might pose a risk to them well from nine this morning i want to hear your views you're clearly you're a big fan of crb checks definitely they're not, they're not perfect it's, it's a flawed system There's loads of flaws loads of surely. flaws but it's the best we've got so so improve from within yes but the, the problem is if you look at, at some of the most prolific child sex offenders yep um, for example, Ian Huntley, I think, was mentioned on your show earlier. Yes. I mean, there is Ian Huntley, one of the worst um, criminals that we that we have in this country behind bars at the moment, and yes. uh, the crimes that he carried out were so utterly despicable. You know, there's somebody who was a, a school caretaker yeah. and would have passed a CRB check. So just because you, you've never been caught yes. doesn't necessarily mean that you're not a risk to children of course it doesn't but then doesn't having a crb check lull you into a false sense of security oh well mr so-and-so must be okay to take my children away on a school trip because he's been crb checked well it might just be that mr mm. so-and-so has never been caught can we yet. just say mr so-and-so is not a sex offender in any way just in case you're libeling do you mr. think uh, do you think there are people with the surname so-and-so there, there might be you never know well i apologize i've for just, just realized why well, you've never gone for a crb because you hate children and the chances of you ever working with them i don't hate, <laughs> you children. Don't hate children the chance are you ever working with them and requiring to have that test? No, I'll be absolutely honest with you. I would... Uh, I, I don't have any children myself. Right. And there is a part of me that would feel... I, I just feel a bit... I wouldn't want to be put in that position mm. where anybody might think, oh, well, I'm not going to leave my children with him. He's a bit... You know, oh, he might be a bit funny. I'd hate that. And I think very often, if you're, if you're yeah. a man that hasn't got children yourself, yeah, yeah. people are more suspicious of you. I think it's men in general, to be honest. I do think that, that, that men get looked at more suspiciously than, than women. I, I don't know if it's necessarily being a single man. Perhaps it is, but I, I think men have... Uh... We were just having a chat upstairs, and uh, my producer, she's looking for a piano teacher for her daughter. Yeah. And she's looking for a female piano teacher. And I yeah, said, well, why? She said, well, I just, I'd feel happier 
if it was a female piano teacher yeah. than a male. Well, as a man, that makes me feel very sad for other very good male piano teachers who would be instantly dismissed. Richard Claydeman would be dismissed. Because, all because, um, you know, there are a handful of people that you wouldn't want to leave around your children. Jonathan, I'm going to have to ask you to leave the studio. Because uh, we've got the Dean Doris on and I want to get to her as quickly as I can. So, you go for thank it. you very much. That's Jonathan Vernon-Smith. 08459-455-555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Now, uh, a man from uh, Bedford is calling for uh, the council to change its policy to sex entertainment. The council's consultation on its policy for licensing sex entertainment venues ends today after three months. So far, the borough has no sex entertainment venues in the area. And the former councillor, Peter Chiswell, wants to make sure it stays that way. I spoke to him a little bit earlier. And as far as the strip clubs are concerned, I've been to numerous before and... You know, you get strip clubs, you can get strip clubs. The ones I've been to can be very uh, raucous, but that's back in South Africa. Here, I've never been, I've been to one or two in uh, UK here, and they've been very clean. They are controlled. The ladies that work there are sometimes university students that are going to make their their ends meet. That, of course, wasn't Peter Chiswell who wants uh, to get rid of sex clubs. Uh, That was John in Houghton Regis who's called in and said they're not too bad. This is the former councillor, Peter Chiswell, who wants to make sure that uh, there are no more sex entertainment venues in the area. Well, there are a lot of problems, really. Just a few of them would be um, the women are exploited, there's harassment, assault, uh, there's racism... There's real sorts of problems attached with these clubs. And I have this myth, this fantasy I hear once or twice, but it's just another business. Well, it certainly isn't. There's one example of a girl called Liz. She says men would come in and ask the manager, did she have any black girls? She'd be wheeled over like a prize cow. That's a quote. Well, with us now is uh, Mid-Beds MP Nadine Doris, who's been calling for Parliament to listen to local residents in these situations. Good morning, Nadine. Good morning. And we've also got in the studio with me uh, Gemma, who is... Uh, Gemma, you are a, a dancer at a strip club, aren't you? I am indeed. OK, well, Nadine, let's start with you. What, what's the problem with these places? Gosh, well, where do I start? OK, um, let's start with normalisation. One of the big issues, I think, is that, um, and, and, you know, personally, I have no issue with um, strip clubs or um, lap dancing clubs or whatever, but it's about the location and appropriateness of where they are. And what we've seen just recently is almost an invasion, not just in Bedfordshire, but across the UK, of um, SEV, sexual entertainment venues, uh, licences, being granted in inappropriate locations, such as in my constituency, right slap bang in the middle of um, one of our prettiest market towns, Amptill. And across the UK, it's happening on the high street. And what we're seeing is like this creeping normalisation that, you know, you have your Tesco's Express, then you have your um, sexual entertainment venue, and then you have your, you know, card shop or whatever. And it's kind of, uh, over a period of time, it's becoming acceptable that this is what you see in the high street. And it isn't acceptable, actually, because there are a lot large numbers of people who are offended by having their high street or their village taken over by such um, an inappropriate um, application. They're they're very discreet, these places, aren't they? They don't have pictures of nudie women outside or, or anything like that. No, well, they don't because they're not allowed to bypass the conditions which are laid down when yeah. they're granted their license. But as soon as dusk comes, then the, then the whole um, ambience and the atmosphere, the street on which they're placed, alters and changes. Now, you have some, there are some out of town in Milton Keynes, mm. um, which are out of town, out of sight, and, you know, with 
large car parks and places where people can go and park and there's, there is no problem. And local residents don't have to see it or experience it. And that's fine. But when you've got it right in the middle of a high street and you've got parking issues and you've got people coming in and out, and you know, the one in Amstel and, and other um, lap dancing clubs in Dunstable, it's pretty obvious what's going we on spoke there. To, um, we spoke to the lady who runs the, the, the toy shop opposite um, the lap dancing club and she said she was surprised that actually she didn't really notice it and she, that, that it didn't change at night time and everything was, was, was better well, than she imagined. Yeah. There isn't a lap dance, there isn't a toy shop opposite the lap dancing club. There's a toy shop near it, isn't there? Well, not on the same street, round the corner okay. and going up out of town there is, but it's not opposite But it's in the same the town and she said that, she said that it, she hadn't really noticed any change and that, that she was surprised by how discreet it was. Yeah, well, I wouldn't agree. And I think probably... No, but that's her opinion, um, Nadine. That's, she's entitled well, to her, her opinion. opinion but, but can I just say, I, I've, yeah. I've actually seen that lady only the other day opening her toy shop. And she actually comes in on a completely different part of town, right. opens her toy shop, well. and she probably goes before it's even started to Well, Nadine, hang on a second. Nadine, that's not fair. She works in the town. She she runs a shop in the town. She's, she's part of well, the town. You can't dismiss her. You can't town, dismiss her. You can't dismiss her because she disagrees no. with you, can you? No, I, and, no. and I absolutely do not. But Good. I would say she's not opposite the lap dancing club and she may be one person in the town but I can tell you that the majority of people who live in that town are totally opposed to it and their voice should count and that's why I have applied for a 10 minute rule bill and reapplied for and I will keep going until I get one um, a bill to, go into, to be put into parliament that gives local residents if more than okay. 50% of people complain or object to a licence for a sexual entertainment venue then the local have to immediately reject that application. I think she is opposite the lap dancing club. Her shop's, shop has moved. Oh, well, there must be two toy shops then within yeah. yards of each other. There we go. And let me just put some of these, these points to Gemma, who is uh, a, a dancer at the After Eight Strip Club in Luton. The location, having them in high streets, Gemma, is, is normalising the sexualisation of women, and it's, 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 it, we don't want to see them next to a Clinton's and, and a Tesco Express, do we? Well, no, I can, I can understand where they're coming from. I mean, our club is it's quite discreet, you know. It's, people walk past and don't even know it's there. Mm. You know, it goes, you go downstairs into it. It's, it's, it's quite discreet where we are, you know. We're not smack bang right in the middle of town you know like i said unless you, you can walk past it and don't even know that it, it's it's actually existing you're being exploited i'm i've never felt exploited i've never i've never experienced race, racism i've never been harassed i've never had no problems in my eight years experience and that's the thing isn't it nadine if Gemma seems like a sensible young lady if yeah. she's earning a living and is enjoying it and isn't being exploited then why should we deny her that yeah no, no i'm not i'm not saying Gemma shouldn't do you know, good luck to Gemma. She's making a living doing that's what she's doing. What she wants to do, then good for her. What I'm saying is that they're the kind of... And Gemma has just said herself that the lap dancing club she works in isn't right in the middle of a town. My particular issue is with lap dancing clubs which are right in the middle of mm. residential locations. That's inappropriate and they shouldn't be there. And that's why I have become involved. I've never been involved in this issue until um, in the past two years, when it's not just in Bedfordshire, but in high streets across the UK, there is this whole process of normalising the fact that it's okay to have lap dancing clubs right in the middle of a high street. That's not what the British high street's about. That's not what residential areas are about. It's not what people want. Keep lap dancing clubs, but keep them in appropriate locations out of town. Nadine, always lovely to talk to you. Thank you for coming on. I know you're very busy. Midbeds MP Nadine Doris. Gemma, can you stick around for a bit and we'll switch yep, after the news? Yep. 08459 four double five five double five. What do you think? Is there you got a problem with lap dancing clubs? Uh, would would you want one in your high street? 
on FM, AM and online. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots to cram in in the last 30 minutes of the show and we're talking at the moment uh, about sex clubs after a gentleman from Bedford is calling for the council to change its policy to sex entertainment. Peter Chiswell wants to uh, make sure that uh, the borough has a no sex entertainment venue policy in the area. Well, we're joined by Gemma, who is uh, a dancer at the After Eight Strip Club in Luton. Morning, Gemma. Hi, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. But Peter, earlier on in the show, um, said that uh, lap dancing clubs um promote sexism and racism well in my eight years experience uh, i've worked in quite a lot of clubs i've never never had trouble with any of that i've not in or out the club you know whether it's to do with my job or anything i've never i think if it's going to happen it's going to happen it doesn't doesn't mean just because you work in a strip club or any of these sorts of clubs that it's going to happen to you it's it can happen to anyone you know the strip you can't blame a strip club for that sort of behavior you know i've noticed you've got an engagement ring on I have. Are you engaged? Uh, it's only because I can't wear it on the same ring because they're two different colours. Oh, right. One's gold, one's... So you're not engaged? No. Have you got a boyfriend or anything? Not at the moment, no. Have you had boyfriends? And what do yeah. they think about you doing that? Well, you know, obviously I have to tell them straight away, you know. Yeah. I've, there's not, I don't see there's nothing wrong with it, so I've got nothing to hide, you no. know. And they basically, it's sort of their decision whether they want to take it further or not, you know, if they... Some are a bit funny about it. They, you know, there's trust issues with the whole dance. Because I can imagine guys. at the start, I'd be like, "Oh, that's quite exciting." Like, yeah, yeah my girlfriend's they, a dancer. They, they think it's quite cool. Then as it got a bit more serious, I think, "Oh, hang on a second. Yeah, the more, hey. yeah, when it gets serious, that's when there might start issues might start cropping up. They might not want you to work as much, or they might get a bit jealous. But you know, at the end of the day, when they meet you, they've got to take you for who you are. That's they knew this mm. from the beginning. So it's like, if you, if, you know, if you want to be me, you've got to accept my job. Yeah. You know, that I'm not, I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not doing nothing wrong. You know. How safe do you feel? Do you not feel threatened or vulnerable at all? Um, at the beginning, probably when I was inexperienced and didn't really know how it worked, then yeah. I, I was, yeah. It was very nerve-wracking, very scary. But, you know, eight years on, I've, you know, I don't have no issues or problems where I work. You know, there's, there's plenty of security. There's cameras in every room. There's all around the club, you mm. know. There's always someone there. There's always someone watching, someone making sure we're okay, you know. So if anything did happen, to, you know... If something started happening in a fight or anything like that, then there's always someone there to look after us. We're never on our own. We're ne- Even if you can't see someone, there was always someone watching us. Well, this this former councillor, Peter Chiswell, he wants to, to make sure that, that in Bedford uh, there are no sex entertainment venues at all. What would you say to someone like that? Well, it's not for everyone, obviously, and I can see why they don't want it in, you know, in the middle of high streets and stuff, which is fair enough, I can understand that, but... At the end of the day, we're providing a service for people, you know, it's, it's, it's just a bit of fun at the end of the day, you know, there's no harm in what we're doing, you know, we're just providing a service, we're entertainers, mm. you know, you know, we get parties coming in, we get, you know, stag dudes coming in. You were telling it's, me that girls come in? We, we get girls coming in, we, you know, because girls come in with their boyfriends, girls are very interested in what we do, they, they think, you know, they come in and they think it's amazing, they ask you questions, mm. you know, they want to do it themselves, but they just haven't got the guts to try the job out, so they, they come in and talk to us, and they have a drink, they bring their boyfriends, sometimes even their husbands. Do you do all the upside down stuff? stuff on the pond. Yeah. How do you not put your back out? I said that it's, my back's killing me at the moment. Years of practice. Really? Yeah. Years of practice. Blimey, well. I don't, I don't. <laughs> Keeps you fit. Can you, can you understand, though? Because I, 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 I mean, I, I wouldn't want one. I'm not fussed either way about these clubs, <laughs> to be completely honest, but I wouldn't want one in my high street. Do you, does that make no. sense? Does you understand oh, why some people yeah, feel like that? I can like understand that. that. I'm totally for that. Yeah. But... 
to stop them all together, I don't, I don't, I think that would be wrong to stop them all together. You know, like, you know, like I said to me, it's, it's a job, you know, mm. I'm earning a living, you know, we're not doing, there's nothing wrong with, with what we're doing, you mm. know, you know, it's keeping me fit. I'm earning my own money. I'm independent. You know, what's, what's wrong with that? You know, there's a lot well, of people that aren't even bothering to we've work. We've got a text from William, uh, from Fry's Wash. He says, I live near the Junction 9 strip club. I've not seen any trouble there. Plus the ladies working there are keeping this, themselves in money and they're not a drain on the country. And there is that. You're, you're independent. You're earning a living. Yeah, you're I don't ask no one for nothing. I do everything myself. You know, I support myself, you know, and I, you know, I'm earning my own money, you know. What's, what's better than that, you know? Gemma, listen, thank you for coming in. I'm guessing you weren't working last night because you're up bright and early this I morning. I had an early night for well a change. Done. Gemma, thank you so much for coming in. Very <laughs> thank nice you very to much meet for you. having oh, me. 0459 four double five five double five. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, it's a very, very busy show this morning. 08459 455 555. If you wanted to help out at your child's school, would you be offended if you had to go through the criminal record checks? Well, research by the Manifesto Club last year showed that more CRB checks, or DBS as they're now known, were carried out in Hertfordshire than in any other county in the country. Some of those included a volunteer Father Christmas and a parent helper for a school disco. Josie Appleton is from the Manifesto Club and urges schools to welcome volunteers rather than subject them to suspicious procedures. Well, I think that uh, as a parent, um, you know, you, you go to the school, you drop your kids off, you know, all the other kids, etc. So you have a relationship with the school, and then you want to go on a school trip, um, say two weeks hence. In order to do that, you have to have a level of, of police security clearance. Um, which exceeds that required to sell explosives. And I think that's just over the top. Um, but is that the CRB check? Yes. It, it, it's extremely... Um, Good. Um, it's extremely high security and invasive procedure. Well, you're being slightly it, it, uh, sensationalist by saying it's, it's higher than the, the, the what you need to sell explosives. Well, it's true in the sense well, that, um, that, that just, is really just requires a search of your criminal records where the CRB check it actually goes back through all the local police files to find any kind of accusations against you. Why is that <laughs> hostile, though? That's a, that, that, listen, I've got two boys. I'm I, Good, good. Check everyone that's going on a school trip with my kids. Well, I mean, I've got, I've got a son as well, and I think that um, it's, it's not about um, how many children one has. Um, I mean, I think that... No, that's not the point I was making, Josie. Uh, what I'm saying is, if anybody is working with my children, I want to make sure they've not got sexual convictions against them. Check them all. What, so check the mother of of your ch- our child's friend down the road? Yes. You don't think... You yes, know, because parents you are also... You sexual... don't have sexual convictions until you've had this police check. But parents are also... Uh, can be sexual abusers. So, yeah, check everyone, definitely. Well, that was earlier on in the show, and boy, didn't that get a little bit heated. Malcolm Underhill is uh, a Hertfordshire-based solicitor, and he joins me now, and you're sweating rather profusely, Malcolm. I'll, I'll be gentle with you. Don't worry. Thank you very much for coming in. You, e- explain for those who don't know how the CRB works, exactly what it is. Uh, the CRB is a check to uh, assist employers in determining whether someone is suitable to be working with or being around children. And it's uh, a check that I think, as, uh, as your callers indicate this morning, is actually welcomed by people because it brings uh, a level of trust and confidence in the process so that when parents attend functions and they see other adults there, that they know that those adults who are looking after their children have been properly checked and are safe and that their children are safe too. And what shows up on the CRB check? Is it everything, every kind of conviction or caution that you've had, or is it specifically sexual? It it can, it will will show up all all, all convictions, but that won't necessarily lead to someone being barred Mm. from working with children. There has to be an intelligent decision made 
decide as to whether someone's record is pertinent to the environment in which they are going to so work. So, for example, if I got, had a shoplifting thing from when I was 16 years old, I would probably still be allowed to go and work in that school with, with, with children. It, I, I've got a CRB, and I've got a clean CRB, and I'm very proud of it, but uh, the, the people have been saying it is a flawed system, because I could get a CRB this morning and go off and do something naughty this afternoon, and, and it only shows up if you have been convicted. So it, it's not perfect, is it? No, I would agree. It is a flawed system. It's the best we've got at the moment, and uh, certainly over the last 10 years, I've been looking quite closely. This is a, as a parent, uh, a school governor, and someone who acts uh, on behalf of the victims of mm. child abuse, because I've been concerned since 2002, since the Soham tragedy, as to whether we really have learned the lessons of those events. And of course, we had we had some checks in place at that time, as you've, you've heard this morning, but we ratcheted up the system to improve the level of protection for our children. But unfortunately, I don't think that is the case. I produced a report last November, having surveyed all education authorities in the country, in order to establish whether my concerns were real or not. And it showed that there were continuing concerns about the number of individuals who were working with children. Mm. For example, over a three-year academic period, because I've particularly focused on schools, there were 9,000 allegations of abuse made against adults and i think what that does show is that yes we have a system but it's still not working and it's not checks alone mm. that will enable us to prevent uh, inappropriate in adults working with children we need to do more in fact Ofsted themselves when they produced a report a year earlier the back end of 2011 when they were looking at the school's processes uh, they found that 21 percent of schools were in need of considerable improvement and i think the danger is that we we have a check mm. and we rely upon the check alone as a tick box exercise and we don't go further because in fact what, again what Ofsted revealed was that there was a need for some uh, real training in schools uh, and certainly that needs to be continued. What concerns me, as you'll probably know, is that uh, in the last year there's been a, effectively a, a dilution of the process of, of checking those working in schools. For example, those who are now supervised will not need checks to be made upon them. And that seems to me quite dangerous. It, it, we've heard from, from some people who've uh, have got a CRB for working in one school, then they go and work in another school, and they need to get another check. That yeah. seems a little bit ridiculous. That, that, that is, and certainly improvements need to be made there, and that, and that will be done. But I think the overall issue is, is whether those checks should be carried out, should they be carried out frequently? Mm. And the answer is yes, but it's not just the paper exercise yes. alone. We need to adopt a much more intelligent approach, and I think we need to work with those uh, in schools to understand what their experiences are too, because I don't think we've really done that properly. I mean, the answer is the fact is we've got 9,000 complaints made, something is going wrong, and those on, on the inside, as it were, working in schools, have that intelligence there that can assist us all to ensure that, that confidence is bred in parents. There's a text here from Chrissy in Stansted Abbots. Who's, uh, this is interesting. Uh, a curb-crawling conviction does not show up on the CRB because it's considered a civil offence. This, to me, is one of the failings of, of a good idea. Is that true? Well, I think that would still, that would still show up. That would come up, would it? Uh, and we heard in this, this report that there are uh, that instances, of, for example, there's a gentleman who wanted to make a donation to a school and he got a CRB. That's obviously crazy, isn't it? Though? That is crazy. And I don't, we don't have the full facts about yes. that. But again, that illustrates to me that those who were uh, making the decision mm. uh, just didn't understand what they were required to do. A little bit of common sense. It is. is. Thing and again, lacking, we have that it? example of individuals, parents turning up at sports days and being told, well, you must undergo a check. That's just wrong, too, and has never been the case. Yeah. Uh, so, again, we need schools to be educated in what their responsibilities are, too. I've also, I've never had this thing that pops up in the Daily Mail. I've never been to an event with my kids. 
uh, and they've said, oh, sorry, could you, put your, could you not take any photos? I've never had that. I've had a couple of times where someone's come out at the start and said, does anyone mind if people take photos? No? Okay, away you go. But I've never had that school- photos banned on school sports day nonsense. No, nor have I. Because, <laughs> let's be honest, if you're, if you're our paedophile, it's not going to be the thing that's going to do it for you, is it? No. There's more stuff you can find elsewhere. In, in, indeed, but the, the risk is under the new regime that the government introduced last year because they wanted the scaling back. They thought it was excessive. Mm. Is the reality is that individuals, as I was just saying a moment ago, will be able to work in schools without checks yep. if they are supervised. And right. of course, we know that paedophiles will groom children. They'll make that initial contact and they'll develop it outside the school yeah. environment, and that is dangerous. Yeah. And uh, the NSPCC and others uh, expressed a view to the government that things needed to be changed, and that clearly needs. To a balance to be drawn between the effectively the freedoms of the parents too but the protection of children it was lord bishop himself too last year who was sort of saying yes a balance does have to be drawn but when you're thinking about which way to swing it then you must put the, the safety of children uh, above all of others malcolm thank you so much for coming in malcolm underhill a hertfordshire based solicitor uh, don't forget jonathan vernon smith coming up in uh, oh, 11 minutes time we better rattle on hadn't we the collapse of the contract to run the West Coast Main Line, which goes through Watford and Milton Keynes, has cost the taxpayer at least £50 million. Pounds. That's according to a report by MPs. The Public Accounts Committee has also warned that the figure could rise. MPs said they were concerned that these basic mistakes could be repeated in future projects, such as the London to Birmingham high-speed HS2 scheme. Well, with us now is transport commentator Christian Warmer. Morning, Christian. Hi there. Well, what do, do you say to this report? What do you make of it? Uh, well, I, I think it's, it's rehearsing slightly old ground, but uh, boy, was this uh, an omni shambles of the greatest order. Uh, you know, it was really uh, a terrible indictment of the ability of the Department for Transport to allocate contracts. And I do understand why uh, the MPs are worried about uh, the same sort of thing happening on HS2. But it must be said that is a very different type of project being run by. A, a different team and uh, uh, quite far ahead. And but I, I think most people thought, Christian, that this project was being run properly. It turns out that for three months there was no one in charge. No, I mean, uh, that's been a, a problem uh, since uh, this government came into being. They cut back a lot of uh, staff in the Department for Transport, and uh, lo and behold, nobody was in charge of the railways. There used to be a director general who was in charge of the railways, and then uh, they got rid of that post. They have now actually put somebody in charge, quite rightly. And, uh, you know, that was a terrible mistake. Uh, the, the railways are very important and separate bit of transport and need somebody to be responsible. £50 million pounds at least, probably more. We're hearing, I heard a figure of £100 million pounds earlier. W- where did that go? Well, uh, most of it has gone in compensating uh, the bidders. Um, there were four bidders involved. The average cost of a bid was around 10 to 12 million pounds. That's pretty daft in itself. And it's one of the reasons why I'm very critical myself of the whole franchise process, because I think it's an awful waste so, of money. So people would, would bid 10 million pounds just for the chance... No, they spend 10 million pounds in drawing right, up a okay. bid uh, in terms of consulting. Right. legal advisors, all that sort of thing. You've got to remember these contracts are probably worth uh, up to a thousand million pounds, yes. a billion pounds. So if you spend ten million pounds in trying to, to get a contract that's worth a thousand billion, a thousand million, you can make probably over the time a hundred billion profit out of that. 
so uh, it's worth your while. What what can be done now? I, I, could this ever happen again, or will the holes be tightened? Well, I can tell you, some uh, civil servants' bottoms have been spanked very hard, Ooh. and uh, they are now beefing up the uh, department. But I do think there's a basic flaw in this whole process, and so I am worried that it, it this kind of thing can happen again because uh, this whole franchise system uh, is actually. Uh, inherently inefficient. And uh, Branson came out looking like the good guy. When he first started kicking off, I, I, I was very much, oh, for goodness sakes, grow up, you big baby. It turns out he was right. Uh, I'm afraid, Richard, and I'm afraid I was with you there, and I'm thinking, oh, God, Beard is at it again. Um, and uh, I, was, I, like you, was completely wrong, and he was quite right. He was very well advised, mm. I somewhat suspect, by his financial people. They spotted the flaws in, this, uh, in, the, in the bid by his rival, uh, First Group, and uh, they were spot on. Well, good for him. Christian, thank you very much. Christian Woolmer, who is a transport commentator. Now, on to good transport of a different kind, really. Maps. When, when did you last use a map? A cu- the reason we're talking about this, Daily Mail page, what is it, 23, I think it is, 21. A couple have got divorced because she couldn't read a map. Interesting story. Obviously, there's more to it than that. The thing that struck me, though, was they were using maps. I was genuinely shocked that anyone used a map. I threw it out this morning to find out if anybody used maps. Loads of texts, loads of phone calls. Yeah, I use maps. What's your problem? What's your problem? We had a phone call, Tony, the first hour of the show, was furious with me. That's out as an audio boo. If you go to, um, if you follow at BBC3CR or at Ian Lee on Twitter, you'll see the link. Tony, I've never heard anyone so angry about maps. Furious. What planet are you living on? Well, our reporter, Justin Dealey, has been out finding just how many of you still do use maps. Michaela, when was the last time that you used a map? About three or four days ago. We was going out for dinner and I needed to find this um, restaurant place. Uh, we put the postcode in the sat-nav and it didn't come up, so I used my phone. I was trying to follow the blue dot on the map and we got completely lost. But did your husband say, come on, for goodness sake, uh, yes. you can't even use a map? Yes, there was a few blue words on there <laughs> and told me how stupid I was because I couldn't even follow the dot. What about a paper map? When was the last mm. time you used one of them? Yonks. Absolutely ages ago. No. If your husband said to you, right, you know what, you may be lovely, Michaela, and I love you very much, but if you can't read a map, we're over... How would you feel about that? Well, if a map's more important than me, then see you later. <laughs> Lee, you like to use maps. You prefer them to a sat-nav. Can you tell us why? Just easier. You find your way around better. Easier using uh, a map compared yeah. to a sat-nav? You don't know where you're going when you use a sat-nav. You don't take everything in. Mm. Well, a map leads you taking stuff in, you think, though. I mean, nine times out of ten, you probably know where you're going. So when was the last time that you actually used a map? About two weeks ago. And do people look at you as if you're mad when you do use one? Nah, probably getting in the way of them. Yeah. <laughs> you like things the traditional way, yeah, don't you? Yeah. Alex, you're all about Google Maps these days, but when was the last time you used a, a paper map? Can you remember? No. So, no use in, in this year, the year 2013, the paper map, as far as you're concerned, has simply got no use anymore. Well, I, I like looking at them, but, <laughs> but, but, not, but not for actually to try to get anywhere. But yeah. I, I, No, I, I like looking at old maps and things, but I never use one, no. Well, here's somebody who absolutely loves maps. It's Jenny. Jenny, you've got a geography degree. Tell us why you love maps so much. It's just being able to plan ahead where you go without having a disembodied voice telling you and turning you in the wrong direction. You last used a map yesterday. Yeah. 
And tell us why you hate sat-nav so much. It's having that voice in the background trying to turn tell left. you what to do. Turn right. It doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work. It gives you. It tells you when to turn left and right. My stepfather uses one. And when there are three roads in a row, off to whichever direction you want to go in, mm. forget it. Yeah. You're yeah, very, very passionate about this subject. Uh, one final question for you. Is there any excuse for anybody who cannot read a map? Even though sat-navs are out there, is there any excuse for anybody who can't read a map properly? I wouldn't think so, but a lot of my friends can't either so there must be just some wiring in the brain that doesn't click we very nearly did you hear that we very nearly got robot justin there he started to do, there's something in that can we come up with a feature where justin is a robot that's uh, the, the bbc three counties cartographer justin Dealey there um on the text david says i don't have a sat nav my wife turns the map upside down that drives me nuts this is this i'm not being you know misogynistic or, or sexist or anything women do do that thing where they turn the map the wrong way around it's also what i've noticed when when girls play video games right a bloke will sit there and will hold the controller and will stare intently at the screen and not move their hands the girls they exactly don't they do that they move their arms around i'm turning left i'm turning right oh up 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 they move their arms it, it, it's obviously th- th- something to do with the wiring and i think it's something to do with the wiring that women are not so sharp Treading very carefully, because I'm about to walk up into an office pretty much full of women. They're not so sharp on their left and right. And it's not... Oh, aren't, aren't women funny when they're bar shoe? I'm not doing, you know, a, a bad Jeff Green stand-up comedy routine. Uh, it, 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 it's true. I've noticed this. Take the next left, you turn left. Now I'm at the other left. What, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Helen in Milton Keynes has texted in. You say women don't know left from right. I do. Prove it. And I always navigate using maps and signposts. Oh, don't get me started on signposts. My three-year-old. He's, he's, just, he's just started noticing signposts. What does that signpost mean? Well, it's a red circle with the number 30 in there. Yeah, what does that signpost mean? I've not finished telling you. That one is, tells us what turnings... Yeah, what does that sign... Let me finish telling you one signpost before you ask what the next ones mean. If it's a circle with a number in, it's a speed limit. If it's got... If it looks... If we're near a roundabout, it's telling you which turnings go off on the roundabout. They're easy ones. Gary's tweeted, I'm blind and a guide dog owner, and I love my sat-nav. It's on my phone and gives me confidence when I'm out and about. Gary and Zag. Well, there you go, you see, we've, we've sorted. I am surprised by how many of you are map readers. Seriously. Very old-fashioned. We'll change that, don't worry. Excellent stuff. Back tomorrow at six o'clock. Stick around, though. JVS is up next. Until tomorrow, ta-ta. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian.